Welcome to the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. Brent, it's episode number 30. The big 3-0, man. Dude, you don't look a day over 42. <laughs> I feel I, like I should have brought you a birthday I re- cake. I remember 30. Yeah. 30 you remember was, 30? I, I vaguely remember 30. 30 was so much fun. Yeah, oh, 30 was a lot of fun. There's no doubt about it. I'm not really sure where I was at most days, but yes, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, yes, Whitney, the big 3-0. The big 3-0, man. It's like it's 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 like the actual our actual 30th birthday. It seemed like it was going to be exciting, but hey, look, we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> and we're doing podcasts. So, yay. yay. All right, man. So, Brent, it's been a little while since we've recorded a studio episode, and so it's kind of nice to be back, you know, oh, here, I feel here, sorry here for in the, your basement and going at it. I feel sorry for the listeners because this is going to be like episode one all <laughs> over again. A little, it's, a little rusty, a little bumpy, and everything like that. I, we'll get it, man. We couldn't it's, even it's, figure it's, out which, which end of the microphone cable went into the mic. <laughs> well, you have two tries, and you're guaranteed to get it right once. Well, we, so we're that's here. How that goes. So. Yeah, we're here. So, dude, uh, like I say, it's been a bit since we've recorded an episode, and, I, you know, we've released all the content from the Louisville Arcade Expo and everything like that. So we've had a lot going on within, I guess, what, Brent, the past two months that we that we haven't been in the studio. So, man, um, you know, what all what all has been going on that, that you've been to? I know I've got a couple of things that I want to cover, but before we get into that, we've got some recaps of some events that we've been to that I think are really worthwhile to talk about. Well, the first thing to bring up, Whitney, is um, this is a, a fun event, and it's a, a heartfelt thank you for the invitation goes out to a uh, friend of the show, listener Juan. And Juan, I am going to, I, I know I'm going to get your last name wrong. Juan Jusino. Jusino. Jusino, I believe. Jusino, okay. Yeah. So we met Juan. I'm, at, I'm, I'm saying it the way I see it, okay? Which and, I think I, is, which I, I think, I think, I, I think I'm right. I think you're totally wrong. I think wrong. I'm close enough to write. I think you're totally wrong. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so Juan, uh-huh. uh, we met Juan at Southern Fried Game Room Expo about, Right, well, coming up on right at a year ago. Right at a year. Yeah. Juan was the photographer for the show, yeah. and you know, hung out with, uh, with kind of all of the folks that were doing kind of something with the show. He was there yeah. through the weekend. Uh, took some awesome pictures. Juan, uh, Juan's in the military. Mm-hmm. We appreciate your service. Thanks for all that you do. Mm-hmm. Juan came into town. He came into Louisville for some training, and he actually had a couple folks with him. He reached out to me and Whitney and said, "Hey, look, we're going to be in town. Do you want to get together?" The natural place to go was down to Zanzibar. Mm-hmm. We talked about Zanzibar in the past on the show. You know, awesome food, yeah. uh, good place to stop in for a drink, and unbelievable games. Yeah, yeah. So we great had time. great time. We had a we had a good evening with Juan and uh, two of his brothers at Zanzibar. And this was man, Whitney. This was in early April. It was it was right after it was April second actually. So I mean, it was at the very beginning of the month. And it feels like a it, year it, ago. It, it feels like forever and a day ago. It Time does. has absolutely flown. But you know, yeah. Juan, we uh, we greatly appreciate you thinking of us. We had a wonderful time. Can't wait for you to come back through town because you know we're kind of hoping that there's going to be maybe a little bit more training and another opportunity to come back through. Yeah. We know we're going to see you here soon at Southern Fried Game Room Expo. Juan brought us some really cool gifts. I put a picture up on the Facebook page, and we'll have to link back to this. Yeah, they presented us with uh, a really a really cool shirt that represents what Juan does 
And you know, I, I don't want to get in the technical details of it. And honestly, Juan, I, I don't want to. Make don't a want mistake. to botch yeah, it. I don't want to botch it. Yeah. But his his uh, uh, area stop, stop us right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his area provides uh, a lot of support for uh, the needs of other areas of the military. Yeah. Let's just kind of leave it at that. And and I'm even I'm sure I'm I'm bashing the wording here. I'm I'm kind of going corporate, you know, <laughs> civilian corporate. We're talking areas and departments and but uh, um they brought us a really really cool shirt Whitney and I both received one that's kind of their the the logo and yeah. and a little of what they do and a challenge coin. Yeah. So yeah. You know for for folks that don't know what a challenge coin is Basically, it's like the insignia of, I guess, the unit, the maybe? unit, the unit. Yeah. Yeah. We're really kind of talking out it, of our ears here. Yeah. But. And, and it's sad because we're we're reaching for terms that we know we don't have. <laughs> but that's I, I'm, I'm going to go with unit. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the challenge, the challenge coins are something that's generally traded uh, amongst, as I understand, um, individuals in the armed services and it, it's kind of a show of respect, a show of appreciation, uh, something kind of like as a, a small token of thanks that this this passed along. So yeah. we were presented, Whitney and I both were presented with a challenge coin, and we were uh, we were floored and we were, were very appreciative. Yes, very appreciative. It was it was neat to get the it was neat to get the artifacts there, the shirt, the challenge coin, and really just sit down and spend some time with the guys. And just listen, you know, just listen to them and hear hear about what they do for the armed services, you know, day in and day out. And um, it was it was just it was just a great experience and uh, a privilege to be able to spend the time. No, there's no doubt. Yeah, Juan, thank you for reaching out, man. Now, it was it was sweet. We may have birthed a new gamer. If you were with Juan and you're listening, and I apologize for not having committed your name to memory, I am terrible with names. Sometime at a show somewhere, come up to me and ask me about uh, what I thought Whitney's name was the first time I met him. That's kind of a funny story. But um, there are a couple of gentlemen that were with him. One was out of Texas. I remember that, uh, born in Texas, and the other out of California. A gentleman from California, he had appeared, you know, he'd had some game. he'd played some games in the past. He played some pinball, he played some video games. Uh, kind of closer to our age, you know, later thirties ish. You know, I, I'm, that's a compliment, Whitney. There you yeah. go. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. <laughs> it's all about I'm, the I'm sitting, over, I'm sitting okay. over shaking my head. It's like, yeah, yeah. The other gentleman, the, the guy that was that was out of Texas, he was he was quite a bit younger. Yes, very much so. And uh, we we played a little bit of pinball, and he really enjoyed it. Yeah. He started at, he once he started to warm up to it, he started asking a lot of questions. So, yeah. you know, we may have birthed another collector, maybe two. Yeah. So no, it was cool. They they went across the street with us, helped us move some games. I know that uh, the owner of Zanzibar Ants, he was showing us his Star Wars pinball that he had just gotten, and we were you know we were looking at that and Dady going back East, through the Dady green, Star Wars, yep, Dady Star Wars, and going through the green room and looking at all the games. So yeah, the guys guys were highly interested in it, and it was just neat to see everybody. You know, just neat to see the oh, guys yeah, taking guess, it in. I guess if you want to think about it this way, they got a kind of behind the scenes view. <laughs> well, they they what? saw they when saw probably with, three times what's in. When Zanzibar you hang Harley? with the broken token guys, man, you, it's like an all admission pass, man, backstage, all of it. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, just go with it. Own it. it it's that. Own yeah. it. Yeah. So that that was that was sweet. Now another thing, Brent, that you and I were able to to both to both get to as well was the the CAG DC tournament. This is the tournament that Mark Alpiger 
puts on every year. Well, I guess this was actually going to be technically this was his last year for the tournament, and that was held up at the Place Retro Arcade up in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's uh, Carrie, friend of the show, Carrie Cheney's arcade. So uh, you and I, you know, hopped in the uh, hopped in the uh, Broken Token Mobile or mobile mobiles there we go and we <laughs> rode up to cincinnati uh gps assisted and everything went a-okay this was pretty so. uneventful at least for me I yeah mean, very much so, very uh, much so. I, I made it straight to the venue i didn't yeah. see a goat on a trailer hey man it's 70 miles an hour yeah, yeah. okay Ready we to got- fall out it was all good but uh that was a, that was great great fun because man i i don't know how how carrie organized so much to happen in what I would consider to be uh, such a short amount of time at his arcade. I mean, so in one part of the arcade, he had Mark Alpiger and the CAG DC tournament going on. And at that point, you know, there are some of the, probably some of the world's best high score players right there. You're talking, you know, Don Hayes, Jimmy Linderman, and, and you know, and it just go, you know, it just goes on and on and on and on, you know, down the line as far as far as you know, contestants go and everything like that. On the other side of the arcade, though, we're talking about some of the biggest personalities in classic arcade gaming was also there. We're talking Billy Mitchell, uh, you know, Walter Day, Richie Knuckles, Joe West, uh, you know. The Broken Token guys. Yeah, yeah, we we were there. We were there. There's there's no doubt. <laughs> I don't know that we fit, but fit in with that with that list. But hey, we were there. But yeah, Eric Tesla was there. You know, John Salter, Phoebe Smith, you know, Estel Goffnett. I just the whole nine yards, and it was. You forgot about Lar. Laura, that's right. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Yes. Laura Smith, Phoebe's Phoebe's, uh, Phoebe's uh, husband. Better half. Yes, there you go. So, yeah, it was was just almost kind of like a, a who's who of the classic arcade scene, you know, just really kind of converging on Cincinnati. And that was a lot of fun. I mean, we got to speak to a lot of people. We got some sound bites that... Gosh, I need to edit out, Brent, so that we can kick them in front of the show and stuff like that. It's just some really, really neat stuff. There were... um, There was more people that i was just shocked at how many people were able to make it in there i mean the place was packed the carrie did and you mentioned this earlier and in a good way yeah carrie did an unbelievable job in setting up the arcade and for for folks that haven't been there there's kind of like a front area i'd say it's roughly i don't know what a third or maybe a slight bit more third of the floor space mm-hmm. and up in the front we had uh uh, Billy Mitchell, and that's where Walter tended to be, and Richie was kind of mm-hmm. in that area a lot of time. Yeah. And Billy had a, a space set up, and um, then in the back portion of the arcade, he had taken the games that were going to be used for the tournament and basically kind of turned them into one another. So kind of wall, walled it off. Yeah, walled yeah. it off. Yeah. So he had in a, in effect two rows of games that were used for the players. He had. Uh, it, it sounds like so much, and it he pulled Carrie and, um, and uh, Kim. Kim. Mm-hmm. They pulled it all together. Yeah. It worked out wonderful. There was so many folks there, such a good time. Yeah. But it didn't it didn't feel like people were crawling all over one another. No, no. There there was enough movement going on, that, and and people were constantly in motion, and there was a fair amount of activity going on. You know on the front side of the arcade and outside uh, while the tournament was going on that you never felt like people were just kind of hanging on the backside of the tournament area just to find out what was going on with the tournament. So it was actually the tournament plus the social aspect of having all of these person, you know, all of these classic arcade uh, gaming personalities there 
like I say, kind of like a who's who list, so to speak, you know, right there at the arcade. So th- there was just there was just a lot of stuff going so, on. And but, on top of that, it was cool. Carrie, Carrie was adding. Well, I guess, you know, the 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 business term here is he was adding value to it. One of the things he did, it, it, I, I looked around. I was like, is, is this happening? And it, it, it was cool. It was just unexpected. Carrie thinks of this stuff. He goes and gets an artist to come in, and he's got a guy oh, out yes. in front of the arcade. I'm glad you mentioned that. Drawing caricatures. Caricatures. Yeah, hold on. Car- caricatures. Caricatures, yes. yes. Yeah, I'll get that right. And I, I, it, I was like, <laughs> he's, he's got an artist here. I was like, that's brilliant. Oh, yeah, it was great. Who would man. have thought of that? It was great. So, you know, the kids were sitting down. Uh, uh, Richie's daughter, uh, Faithy, was there. Faithy, so, yeah. Um, of course, Carrie has a a, a slew, a passel, um, a passel, good a word, passel of children. A passel, yes. They were sitting down. Whitney and I sat down. I think the Wha- E is silent on is passel. It? Then, yeah. well, it's Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Walter sat down. I mean, everybody sat down and had drawings. Our, where's our drawing at? I've got it at the house. I need to scan it on my flatbread. Uh, flat, oh, your flatbread. Flatbread. <laughs> Well, scan well, it on my flatbread scanner. I'd like to on wel- my flatbed scanner. I'd like to welcome everyone to episode one of the Broken <laughs> <Yes>. Dice. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, yeah it's great. Um, so it's just it, another day in Whitney, man. That's how that stuff goes. Uh, we've said this before. Yeah, got to scan it. We've said this before. If you make it through Cincinnati, check out yes. uh, the place retro arcade. Go yeah, stop was, in. You know, say hi to Carrie and Kim. Love yeah. another broken token guy sent you. Uh, after you've played, yeah, because they're liable de- de- to kick you out. Yeah, definitely. Now, so yeah, so you mentioned the the caricature artist, and one of the other things that was going on was uh, Walter Day, along with Eric Tesler and Joel West and and Billy Mitchell, had done a lot of trading card uh, presentations and certificate presentations. One of the things that surprised me, Brent, was when our name was called and they presented us with a certificate from uh, from Twin Galaxies and from, from Walter Day. So, you know, for everybody concerned with that, we really do appreciate, uh, really do appreciate you thinking of us for that. Yeah, I was, um, I was very shocked that we were, I mean, recognized as, I mean, the card actually is titled... Uh, so we're in the series, I guess, of Walter Day's Superstars of 2015. Yes. And, uh, you know, of course, it's his video game and pinball trading card series. And uh, online, I love this, an online romp through the video game culture. That's cool, though. You yes. know, it's, it's neat. So the back has got, you know, a blurb about the podcast and everything like that. So one thing I'll offer up for all of our listeners that that collect you know the, the walter day's trading cards um just shoot shoot us an email either uh either brent at brokentoken.com or whitney at brokentoken.com let us know if you'd like a card and we'll sign one and get it in the mail for you because like i say not that this card's going to be worth anything actually as soon as we take a sharpie to it it's devalued <laughs> even <laughs> less but all that being said it's cool from a collectability standpoint so yeah so if any of our listeners want cards let us know we will we will pass the good fortune on to you. The picture they use, Whitney, is pretty cool too. It's you like us. that? Oh yeah, it's us at uh, Southern Fried Game Room Expo 2014. Yeah, and uh, we're in front of Vader and two stormtroopers. Oh yeah, man, Give, giving them the business, dude. Yeah, no so, doubt. So Walter and all involved 
we really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so very much. No doubt. Hey, I do want to give a special shout out though to one of uh, one of our listeners, uh, Steve Walgamot, that was there. He goes by Incredible Games on on Twitter. Uh, he's he's from Cloth, and he was there and got some really cool pictures of us uh, getting you know accepting the certificates and stuff. And he posted those up on on Twitter for us. So it was it was neat. So yeah, Steve, thanks a lot for for helping out. Here's a complete. Um, a newbie mistake, unprepared fail. Go take a look at our Facebook page, Whitney. Uh, you mean like, Al- right, like right now? Yeah, like right now. Okay, gotcha. I, I'm going to get the last name wrong. Alan. Help. Uh, hang, hang on. He, Whitney's looking it up. So It's McClelland, I believe. Okay. So we met Alan at, at, at Carrie's place uh, during the, the CAG DC tournament. And Alan is a, a phenomenal photographer. Yeah. And Alan shared some pictures with us that he had taken. It, it looked to be from the albums, uh, several that were from the CAG DC tournament. And there, there's a pinball gallery and there's a video game gallery. And what's really kind of interesting about these pictures is not that this is a bad thing. They're not like overall like amateur like Brent is standing there with his cell phone taking pictures oh, no, of, no. over the room. No, these are composed. Yes. Yes. So it is real. You, you have to go check these pictures out. Yeah, they're it, they're awesome. It, it's like an interesting but different angle of a joystick with something in the background that it, it all just works. Composed is the perfect way to it, put it, it. It's composed, and the pictures are compelling. I mean, when you look at them, they're shot at such an angle that that they they actually stir a little bit of emotion based upon the subject that he's taking a picture of. So yeah, so it's, it's oh, I was emotional. I was upset. I couldn't take a picture like that. <laughs> he understands the rule of thirds, Brent, and you and I, I have not. no clue. Yeah, exactly. No. So so yeah, so it's Alan McClellan. So Alan, thank you so much. We've talked with him on Facebook quite a bit, and uh, you know, Alan's going to help us out. Out on on a couple of other little uh, small kind of projects where where we need some need some artwork and things like that. So yeah, Alan, uh, you're the bomb, dude. Thank so you so much. We'll look to put a link back in the show notes for those albums. But we're oh yeah, you got to see them. You got to yeah, see them. We're we're actually already have uh, shares of his albums up on our Facebook page. So you know if you want to just jump on the Facebook page, take yeah. a look at them. But we'll get them in the show notes yeah. as well. So. And Whitney, yeah. the Louisville Arcade Expo, the Louisville Arcade Expo, yes. kind of the 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 largest, the most monumentous event of our last couple months. It, it has certainly been that, and and for one of many reasons, or several of many reasons. But oh yeah, what I, what I'll go into here is just real quick um, without. Without kind of rehashing the entire show, uh, you want to go back into our podcast feed and ca- and start at episode number 24 and go 24, 26, and 27, which will be the recaps of the show on Friday night and Saturday night, and then also uh, our happy hour show. And Brent, we got a lot of good feedback on, on Twitter, especially from, from, from the happy hour show. And it seems like Twitter... It seems like, dude, Twitter's fun. It's cool. Because I've got to get I, on the get, Twitter. I, you got to get on the Twitters, dude. Man. Because, because I get Twitterverse. A, I get a lot of instantaneous feedback on Twitter. Like after I'll, you know, after I publish a show, 
usually within a couple of hours, the, you know, some of the feedback starts clicking in and it's all just, and it's all just instantaneous saying, Hey, love the show. You know, you guys did good. Thanks for posting. It's like, Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks dude. So it, it lends itself to just like that, that spot check and you know, that spot check type of discussion. So, you know, a lot of fun, but, but yeah, so from the happy hour show, the, so, and the, real the feedback quick, started rolling in. It was neat. And real quick, if this is like your first show that you've picked up with the broken token podcast, the, uh, uh, Friday night was a live show that we live did from the show, show. floor. Yep. Uh, a lot of, you know, us doing our thing, a lot of, a lot of interviews, a lot of people right off the floor. We picked up, sat down, gave them a mic. Same yeah. thing with the Saturday night show, yeah. episode 26, episode 27, the happy hour. We actually kind of squirreled ourselves away in a suite with several listeners and friends of the show and yeah. did like an open pass the mic around. Yeah. What do you think? You know, open question answer type yeah, of a, just of a, a situation a free form format Absolutely. man yeah no, no we ended up pulling people out of the hallway mm-hmm. it, it was a it was a really really cool time exactly so. hired a bodyguard i mean we did it all dude and, it was it was awesome okay and a double real quick people are like okay 24 26 and 27 what happened to 25 <laughs> i promise i can count at least to 30 so 25 was a cool little show it's just a couple minutes long and leading into little arcade expo I went through and, you know, Whitney and I, we pulled together all of our kind of our bloopers from the prior shows. It, you know? wasn't, it wasn't all of them, was it? No. You know, there's, there's, oh, there's way more than that. I, I was going to say, dude, oh, because yeah. I, I was just even going through some of some of the the pre-recording discussions you and I were having just at the Louisville Arcade Expo and I thought man I've got I've got material for like five or six minutes of bloopers right here yeah. because you and I are sitting there just badgering each other <laughs> you know in the microphones and it's like that's actually pretty good yeah that's pretty funny so uh yeah right it's not all of them yeah, I was, I was so say. Uh, we we pulled together let's just say quite a few of the bloopers yeah and you know they're out there if you kind of just listen to the show they're yeah, out you know go to the end that's, of every the, that's like the worst it's like the worst kept secret in the universe it's like who doesn't set through the credits of a marvel movie you've you know got, you've got to do it that's a whole other conversation exactly yeah. so anyway uh i was running those on the board kind of as a little loop prior to us going live friday and saturday night yeah I added Pretty funny f- stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I added a few more to them, wrapped them up, and we released those as episode 25 on April Fool's Day. Yeah. So, yeah, if you get a chance, if you hadn't heard it, go back and pull it down, give it a listen. Yeah, it's pretty funny. And then um, episode number 27, oh, I'm sorry, no, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. episode number 28, 28 and 29, though, Brent, are what I would consider to be uh, something pretty special because those episodes, those two episodes were from the David Crane uh, content from the Louisville Arcade Expo and episode number 28 being the audio feed from his um, seminar entitled The Internal Magic of the Atari 2600. Uh, you know, if you if you haven't been able to see the video, we do have a video post on YouTube uh, of the seminar. If you haven't been able to watch that, or if you would just rather listen to it, then episode number twenty eight uh, would be that. You know, if you're you know commute in the car or what have you. But then episode number twenty nine, I would highly highly recommend everybody who's inter- in any way interested in uh, the Atari twenty six hundred and or uh, Atari and or Activision to check that out because that was a one on one interview that I got to do with David for right at an hour. So it was it was just it was it was great. I don't even know how else to say it. It was for me it was, you know, twenty five years in, in the making. It was it was awesome. You know, the content of the the one on one and I admit Whitty, I have not had the opportunity to, to 
check the video out. Okay. Okay. Uh, the interview I have gone through. Okay. Yeah. And what'd you think? I, re- I really enjoyed it. Yes. There it was, was fun. Cause that, that's a, you know, I have seen bits and pieces of the, of the video, yeah. you know, as we, as Whitney and I, here's a little behind the scenes, obviously, I would think it would be obvious. Everyone always says obviously, and it's like, well, if it's, it's obvious, then it's obvious, why, why are we talking yeah, about it? Yeah, why are we talking about that? Yeah, that's that's a that's a botch term. Well, there, there's there's an aside. Yeah, like we never do that. So, um, Whitney and I share the production duties for the show. So, I haven't had an opportunity to get through the video, just doing other things so that we can produce the show. Mm-hmm. And what little bits I've seen, like as Whitney has said, hey, spot check this for me. Yeah. David, Mr. Crane, mm-hmm. is kind of doing a presentation and he's talking about things and there's a screen behind him and he's showing you, you know, um, kind of what's going on and what th- what this means. And it's a little detailed. I mean, it's not a, it's it's it not is. super double techie. No. And I mean, I think anyone would enjoy it. It's it's technical to the point to where it's not so over your head that you start to lose interest in it It, it, it'll give you uh even if you're not an it person a computer person give you an even better under uh, understanding and an even uh better feel for what they did with the hardware but so but where i'm going with all that is is that that was kind of structured. There were some question Q and A at the end of it, mm-hmm. but Mr. Crane had a had a start point and an end point, and you know he kind of he drove the bus. Yeah. The one on one, Whitney got to sit down with him and get in some really interesting. Um, tell me about this, and you know working with with Mr. Crane to bring some of these answers out. Yeah. Not that it was difficult to do, but just let's just go in a little different direction and get to yeah. some points that maybe you haven't discussed. So yeah. yeah, it's it's really worth the look. It's, it's so awesome. I mean, I, I just I'll look back on Brent. There's there's many many ways where the podcast has been very rewarding to do. We have met. So many, so many great people. Uh, we've made a lot of new friends, and delivering that type of content is part. I guess it's it sets the high water mark for what we need to do for you know over the next year or two. It was it was just a terrific, terrific uh, get for the show, and it so was, it was awesome. Yeah, and real quick too, I'll throw this in here. I, I've mentioned it uh, on the prior LAX shows, if this is your first show, you're like, you're probably wondering why are we talking so much about an Atari 2600 developer when, when this show is geared toward <laughs> pinball and video arcade. Because, and, because I'm a closet 2600 <laughs> freak, man. Well, uh, there's that proud of it. And well, there's that. And so am I, I mean, yeah. I, it's how, it's how I started. Honestly, oh, yeah. it's 2600. And a lot of the folks that listen, I'm sure either grew up during the, this, period in time Mm -hmm. uh perhaps didn't and collect i know some some folks now some some kids i'll say it they're in their early teens that are collecting the 2600 that's awesome but at the end of the day you get an idea for the industry as a whole you know what's this is obviously the console division but it gives you an idea of what people had to do to make these businesses work and a lot of that translates over to the video and the pinball side it, it does. I mean, it's it's all interrelated. And I mean, let's face it, you know, the alumni of Activision, uh, they've kind of spread their separate ways. And the alumni from Atari have done the same thing and television done the same thing. Getting a chance to talk to these guys before time takes its toll 
is really important. And to capture somebody like David, who, I mean, Brent, his spot recollection was remarkable. He was able to pull extremely detailed extremely detailed uh, facets of the entire Activision story out just like that. With one question, then he just waterfalled so much information. And you could tell that there's there's so much more there than I was able to get out of him in an hour. That's yeah. A recollection like that is amazing to me. I have a hard I have a hard time remembering how I walked down the steps here to get to the basement. That's right, because remember, Brent, this is episode number what? Thirty two. Okay. So, yeah, exactly. exactly. So now so here's the thing. Um the feedback on that uh, on that episode on that one to one interview started rolling in uh, within probably two to three hours of me posting the episode, and I, I'm just going to pick one, and I think that this this piece of feedback from Twitter really sums it up. So, uh, fellow clover, uh, Gak Attack, this is Chris Gak, and he he tweeted. He said, "Broken Token Pitfall Creator, I just listened to this." Wow, great interview. And I responded back to Chris and I said, Hey Gank, thanks, dude. We appreciate you listening. Yeah, it was it, it was great, even if I say so myself. So yeah, <laughs> it was sweet. Now, I mean, you know, Is that how you broke your arm? <laughs> that's how I broke my arm. Patting yourself on the back. <laughs> Patting okay. yourself on the back. That's right. <laughs> but um no, you know, it was it was fun, man. Everything in it. Yeah, and then another listener, uh a friend of the show, Joe Zinkas, he wrote in just a really nice long very very detailed and very thoughtful email you know post the post the interview and uh, i responded back to him i mean there's there's a lot there i can't don't don't really want to take his entire email and read it verbatim but uh but yeah but it it prompted a lot of discussion from joe on several different topics so it was uh it was neat to see it have a ripple effect like that so there's only one thing left that i want to mention having to do with lax whitney and yeah. that that is the the 800 pound gorilla in the room that that sh- overshadowed the show and that was all of the snow <laughs> yes the snow whitney's eyes were darting around it's like where is he going with this yeah i'm sitting here wondering what he... you're going to talk about <laughs> it's it's like okay 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 the snow yeah so, the snow so for our listeners we're we're in kentucky yeah in louisville and the, of course, Louisville Arcade Expo is in Louisville. It is actually an event that is in the town after which it's named, which is not always happens anymore. And uh, this, you know, the time of year of the event, it's not uncommon for us to have what Whitney like a sixty degree day or sixty five, mm-hmm. and then a thirty five degree day. Exactly. Yes. And it, it's not uncommon to have a beautiful sunny day and. You know, things might start to bloom because it thinks, you know, the trees and the and the shrubs and the flowers they think get it's so spring. Conf- they get so confused. Yes. And then you turn around and they're they under... Die. They die. Yeah, they're under 24 inches of snow. Yes. It's not uncommon. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened this year. We were getting ready for load-in, which generally is, you know, Thursday evening, you start bringing games in. And you could all the forecasts were for snow and around here you you prepare for the worst and hope for the best because a lot of times you may not get it you just kind of it's you're kind of hyped yeah we're in a valley it's not uncommon for rain and a lot of that stuff just to go right over us well that didn't happen this time and uh, uh so thursday wednesday night it starts snowing thursday morning i get up and i've got depending on where i'm at i've got 10 to 12 inches of snow Mm-hmm. And I I went from dry deck, dry driveway, you know, empty trailer to 10 to 12 inches of snow on 
everything. Yeah, I think I think I sent you a picture, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, I think I also sent it around to the to the LAX organizers as well, Jeremy and Matt and and the guys. But I walked out of my my garage to make sure that I got past the drifts. And then took a tape measure and stuck it down to the point where it got down to the concrete pad at the beginning of my driveway. I think, what did I send you the picture of? 21 or 22 inches, Brent? It was, it was crazy. I think it was 21. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, after, I mean, after a foot, I mean, who cares who at cares? that point? It, yeah, you know? it's debilitating after that. So I spent the day, and it, this, is, this is part of it, you know, I, I spent the day working my way out. Yeah. And, you know. We we all made it happen. Jeremy and Matt made it happen. Joe Stith, yeah. Uh, everyone else that brought games. A lot of people came from farther up north. Everyone that contributed, and it was a real showing uh, of love for the hobby. Yeah, because a, a, a lot of folks would have just would have been. And, and don't get me wrong, if you're listening, you were going to bring a game, and you didn't bring a game because of the snow. This ain't it. You know, a lot of folks just realize, hey, look, I, I'm I'm going to make this happen, and they had the ability to do it. Fortunately. Uh, you know, in our case, Whitney and I could, and a lot of other folks could, and you know, the event came off very well. So yeah, it was uh, it was it was pretty epic from a snowball a snowfall perspective for us. But yeah, everything wound up going good. I think it probably affected the attendance somewhat, and even the game, the number of games that showed up. But still, there was there's plenty there to do. So it was uh, it, it still went off without a hitch. All right, Wendy, so I think we've covered events, where we've been, kind of what we've done, our our, our trials and tribulations on the road. <laughs> yeah. So uh, l- let me get into a little bit here. Let's do a little bit of catch-up as to maybe what we've done in our personal collection. Yeah, over the, over, I guess, what, over the couple of months since we've recorded. And it's funny because I was sitting here going through, uh, you know, going through the information that we put together for a show outline. And it's almost like, what do you leave in versus what do you leave out? But despite, you know, you and I, Brent, both having some, you know, some, some personal life challenges and just some things kind of thrown at us. It's still been, it's still been a very busy couple of months. There, there's no doubt. I did the same. I've looked back and, you know, you, some personal life challenges are right on Whitney and I've had kind of our hands full the last couple of months with stuff outside of the gaming yeah, world. Just crazy stuff. And, stupid stuff. and I was like, man, I have not done anything, but yet I have. So, yeah. you know, I, I have managed to eke out a few things and, and I guess and I'll talk more about this later in the technical and restoration section, but, uh, in prior shows, kind of leading up to Little Arcade Expo, I mentioned Space Invaders, and man, Space Invaders have been literally invading my time and eating my lunch. Well, I'm I'm looking here at the notes, dude, and you know I'm counting like three that you've worked on. And four, four, okay. I had so, so so what's the why Space Invaders and why so many of them? That's that's my thing. Well, I had a a, a Space Invader. These are Midway Space Invaders. Okay. So it's on the 8080 hardware. It's yep. not the Tato, Tato. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we've we've not had that debate on our show, Tato versus Tato, but uh, it's not the Tato branded Space Invaders. I know a lot of people will say Tato, but to me it's Tato. Yeah, I've always gone with Tato. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Mike from over at No Quarter can email us and let us know which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> you hear yeah. that, McGinnis? Yeah, they probably took all the hate mail on it, you know, while they were sorting that out. So, <laughs> yeah, just funnel it over to us now. We'll take it. It, 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 it the uh, controversy rages on. Yes, it does. So Never dies. I had a I had a, a Space Invaders, a quote unquote standard Space Invaders, with you know the kind of that dark blue bottom yeah. and the white upper cabinet uh-huh. yeah, yeah. had that got that as part of a deal working with a, a friend of the show uh, steve ridge okay and i had out in the building 
two Space Invaders Deluxe cabinets. That's the red cabinets. Mm-hmm. And they were in various states of complete completeness. Okay. So uh, when it, like one had a tube, one had a chassis, neither of them had boards. I had power supplies somewhere else. They had a harness, but one was missing a connector. Um, the art was there. So anyway, coming in at an expo, I thought, man, this... I need to, I've got all these, if I want to do one, I thought maybe now's a good time to just work through all three of them. I don't need three space invaders, but it would be, you know, a good opportunity to do it. And then as it worked out, I was able to move two of them on to other collectors. A couple other folks were looking at space space invaders. At the show? At the show. You sold them at the show. Okay. So there's three of them. And one of them, uh, I actually had to work on a second time. So while I was at the show, one of the space invaders had gone down. And the gentleman that bought it owns a place in Lafayette, Indiana, by the name of Main Street Amusements. Okay. So I, I took a look at their website. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Yeah. You know, I, if, I'm pulling it up right now, actually. If anybody has been there. Oh, sweet. You know, let us know. You know, hey, drop us a line. Let us know what it's like. The The website looks like, uh, you know, it, it's a a really cool little family fun center up in Lafayette. So. Interesting, man. They're billing themselves Indiana's largest pinball arcade with 40 games. Oh, oh nice. Well, the, either they've added that or I missed it when I took a look at the when I took a look at the website. Okay, cool. So the gentleman that owns that was actually down in Louisville and hey, he wanted a Space Invaders for his for his for the Main Street Amusements. Well, I mean, dude, it's a staple game. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, d- despite my despite my total lack of enthusiasm for the title i understand why it's so why it's sought I'm kinda, out like you know, it is here here comes the hate mail you know i'm the same way with donkey kong <laughs> oh, i just don't you're killing me dude. you're killing me I, I don't get it uh, <laughs> sorry and dude we'll that's we'll, not even a joke <laughs> no it's not man so we'll have a session on the church of donkey kong later but i'm gonna let you get back to the space invaders now okay all right Okay, so roll on. So I so what nothing, are the, nothing to see. The Space Invaders that he bought actually went down, and he the, and I'm not going to get into mentioning names because we have I've mentioned this before. If it's someone we haven't cleared it with, I don't like to give names. No, but yeah, that's I am giving his business a free plug. So um, he, he was real cool about it, and he <laughs> took the game minus the board, okay. so the board came back home, and I had to work through it. And okay. you know I. I no need to get in the technical details of it. What I did to to go through it, it, it was having a 12 volt problem, and I, I had something that was shorted the 12 volt line, so it was a little bit to figure that out. But uh, got it all hooked or set up, got it back to him. He got the board hooked up, was happy as could be. You know, it's like I said, you know, if you're in Lafayette, Indiana, check out Main Street Amusements oh, and let us know what you think about it. I'm definitely going to do that. That's so, sweet. So there's three and a half. Okay. And the fourth one was, is I had a, we got a family member, an extended family member that's got a Space Invader sitting in his garage. Okay. He had a Frogger. Yeah. I worked on his Frogger some time ago. Space Invaders was down. So while I had everything out and had everything set in here and I had the Space Invaders back in my shop, I went over and pulled the board and brought it home and kind of went through it and got him all set up. So, and you know, a typical no good deed goes unpunished fashion you know as soon as i got it there he and his wife were playing it and that evening the monitor grenaded (laughs) i gotta go get the monitor oh my goodness so as of right now you still got to go get the monitor yeah i gotta get the chassis out of it okay gotcha but at the end of the day my space invaders is done i'm happy with it and i actually got it out of the shop 
put it in the game room. It's officially in the lineup. And that means I have unburied burger time. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, hold on. Yes, I yes, it does exist, and I see it sitting back there in your workroom. That so that's has great. been. I went. I've gone through pinball machines, and when I say gone through, I mean stripped completely down, touched up, play field, you know, all that kind of end to end quicker than I have gone through this burger time. Well, you know something. I I'm not going to. I'm not going to, you know, like uh, squat on your thread, but I know exactly how you feel with my zookeeper right now. But yeah, so back to the burger time. So yes. burger time's back on deck. I haven't, yeah. I have not had the opportunity to do anything with it yet. Yeah. Uh, where where it was left is I had just gotten the monitor together. Uh huh. Um, I've got you know my next steps here is I had started kind of going through the wire harness where it had been hacked up a little bit. Yeah. And um, I'm going to start putting the power section back together. It's you know I've got the the transformer assembly that goes in the bottom. Now didn't didn't you if memory serves me correctly order some order some parts from Bob Roberts for the for the burger time? I thought that you had I thought that you'd ordered maybe a harness or a connector for it. Yeah, he Bob offers um the, the the cabinet was hacked up. Yeah. And from what I can tell, I think someone was trying to kind of jamatize it or jamasize okay. it or however yeah. you want to say it. Yeah. So bits and pieces of the, the main har the well, the main harness was pretty much gone. Yeah. And I do still have pieces of the sub harness that is the power section. So I did get a, a harness for the game board from Bob. Okay. And gotcha. then what I'm going to end up doing gotcha. with that is I'm going to go and put the rest of the power section together. Frankly, I, I, I don't really know what they did, but I've got connectors that were all cut off from the power section, mm -hmm. maybe an inch or two from the end of the connector. Okay. And there's enough slack in there where all I have to do is just repin it and I can go ahead and have, you know, the power to the monitor, everything that was running the power area of of the cab i can have that run on the factory harness and then the rest of the game like to up to the control panel um the power from the power supply into the game board all that i'm gonna have to do with one of bob's harnesses okay gotcha so, gotcha yeah i thought i had remembered that but of course it, it'd been a little while since we talked about it um all right and speaking of you know games and things kind of going a little awry you know <laughs> you know there's a terrible transition yeah um in the game room my galaxians is acting up a little bit i've had the game room on a couple times i've had brightness problems with it and it, it's got an odd ball wells 4500 in it now let me ask you i, I was looking here at, at your notes and i saw that now i mean educate me a little bit on the 4500 because i don't see it discussed much on clove i don't really well, you, find you know, a tremendous amount of information everyone knows about it. everyone knows of my love for the zenith monitor yeah that's exactly in the, that's in the burger time right well if anyone asked me what would i like to put on a rocket sled straight to the domain of satan yeah it would be that zenith monitor and it would be this 4500 so, really so <laughs> yes so so what's the scoop with the 4500 i mean it pl plus or minus what makes it better or worse than let's say a 4900 i've only worked on a couple of them okay and if you were to if you were familiar with a 4600 mm -hmm. it looks like um it looks like an early version of that it looks okay. like someone took the 4500 yeah. and they simplified a lot of things. They got it farther. Looking at the 4500, to me, it looks like it's a half a step away from having been a television. I see. Okay. And the 4600 looks to me like, okay, well, we've, 
gone ahead and we've refined it a little bit. This is two year late, maybe the model from two years down the road. Mm-hmm. If you want to look at it like from an automotive perspective, mm-hmm. things have been refined. Yeah. Uh, the manufacturing was simplified. And uh, from an arcade perspective, a lot of the excess stuff that was was pulled off of it. Yeah. Okay. So, gotcha. And it's it's got um, just this monolithic neck board with with huge pots on it that are used to like for I think it's convergence adjustment. It uh, Edward Lutz and I once sat down in an evening in his shop. He had one of them and tried to work on the convergence and it was just because it was getting to a point if memory serves with edward it was so difficult adjusting these pots that literally sat up on i'm sorry not on the neck board on the yoke on the yoke on the yoke oh it was such a pain to adjust one walk around adjust one so it was like one of us would sit in the front and the other would sit behind it and just okay there there too far yeah left left, right better it was like an eye doctor better worse better worse better worse and you know, I don't know a lot about them technically. Yeah. Like I said, I just, they're not very common to the best of my knowledge. They were pretty much used in Galaxians. Okay. And then even Galaxian was quick to transition into uh, something else, a Geo 7 yeah. or, or something else. They just didn't last long. Yeah. And, you know, now that I'm thinking, thinking back, this Galaxian originally came from edward so i bet that's the same stinking monitor <laughs> he and i sat there and worked on know, it very well could be man very well could be I very yeah I, I i'm fairly certain that it is now that i think about it so i have also managed to pick up a galaxian mm-hmm. since uh you know the last time we recorded yeah and it has a, a geo 7 in it okay so you know that's probably that's that's probably a good example of okay look now we can get as, <laughs> we can get something better yeah, as bally midway we can get other monitors to go in our games because yeah. you know you're right that time i don't know if they overlapped but you know you, galaxian and pack were right there in that same that same vintage yep. galaxian a little ahead of pac-man yeah and you know they were selling pac-man left right and straight and it was anything and everything they can shove in there so you, you'll find a pac-man with a geo 7 a 4900 4600 whatever yeah so yeah. Yeah, the the forty nine hundred just when I got it, it was having problems with the brightness, and and I'm fairly certain I know what it is. I'm just I'm over it. Yeah, you mean the forty five hundred? Yeah, the forty five hundred. Yeah, okay. It, it you know, it's just difficult to work with, and it's it's not mounted like a typical monitor where you've got just like an L shaped metal frame. Mm-hmm. It's it's got like a wooden support structure. Okay. And yeah, it's a little different, and it's just yeah it. it to swap a straight mon- a, a standard monitor into it, it's perfectly, e- it's easy enough to do, but it's not as easy as if I had already started off with like a forty nine hundred or forty six hundred. Okay. Yeah. See, the thing is, I just don't, I just don't have any experience with this monitor. I, I've not, I've not run across one ever before. So, in my mind, I kind of equate it to probably one of the early Sanyos that was in like a radar scope or one of the very early run Donkey Kongs where they had the wooden frame for the monitor and have things you ever, like that. It's have just you ever really seen? Really odd. Have you ever seen a you know what a geo seven looks like and and i'm sure a lot of a lot of listeners have (laughs) i've got tons of yeah so yeah well that is and hopefully i'm pulling this right off the top of my head the geo seven that we all know and love is a geo seven cbo yes it is have you ever seen a cao no, because I'm i'm even looking through my monitor list of what i know is inside my games Every Geo 7 I have is a CBO. Okay. Well, the, yeah. C, the CAO is 
from a schematic perspective, I've, I've had one and I had to do quite a bit of work on it from a schematic perspective. It's the same, but, uh, from a layout perspective, it's, it's different. The okay. chassis wider. It's got a daughter card on it. And on that daughter card, I think is, I think it's either the sink section. Um, uh, it, it, it's raised on this. Uh, yeah. I think it's the sink section. Maybe it's the sink section. And then part of, uh, part of the, you know, the transistors and all that drive the deflection. I can't remember. It's been so long yeah. at the end of the day. Like I said, the, the components are the same, but the physical layout is different. And it's like someone, like I was talking about with a 45 and 46, it's like someone looked at that and said, there's got to be a better way to a cheaper, easier, faster way to produce this. Yeah. And then the CBO was born. Yeah, that, That's my CBO. guess. Yeah. So what I, what I think I'm going to do with this is um, the Galaxian I picked up was uh, actually in, in pretty darn good shape. It, it was just the next neighborhood over a friend of mine from high school. He found it on the local Facebook group for things for sale in this neighborhood oh i see so he uh he went over to look at something else and kind of had an eye on the galaxian but the galaxian was playing blind and uh he passed it on to me and that's how i ended up with it oh, so cool. yeah that's sweet um it has found a home yeah it's found a uh it's going to it's going to a loving owner <laughs> but as as part of the deal i'm keeping the monitor out yeah. of it yeah <laughs> and no, what does it have in it it's got a geo7 oh, fair it. enough yeah man. yeah and that Geo Seven is going to go in my Galaxian. <laughs> yeah, no, I can understand. I can understand why. Yeah, I can understand why. The elim- eliminate something that is that is less than, yeah, I guess less than cooperative. Yeah, I mean the the. I looked at the forty five hundred, and, and I hope the Zenith in the in the burger time doesn't come back to bite me. I looked at it like, hey, it's a it's a work it's a quote unquote good monitor. When I got it, it had a few issues. I straightened it out. It could be a little clearer, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know whether it's the technology or the age and the wear or both. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know, this is perfectly playable. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm pretty picky on, admittedly, on my on my monitors. I was like, yeah. I think I can run with this. This yeah. is okay. It's it's a, and I, it's coming back. I, I feel to bite me. Yeah. So I, I'm going to fall back to something that's much more uh, accepted and known and documented. Stick with the Geo Seven, dude. It, yeah. It's it's amazing to me how how clear though the Geo Seven can be. The clarity on those because, like I say, I've got a lot of them in my in, you know in my games. You know, Rally X, my Super Pack, yeah, so on down the line. But man, they I mean, just the the clarity of the picture on those can just be so crisp and when you see something a little fuzzy and something just a little hazy i guess then you say well why should i settle for that when yeah. i when i can find something else and make it look so much better so yeah i'm, I'm going to do a transplant on it it's going to take a little work but i'm going to get it done yeah so. fair enough fair enough uh the battles don't start freaking out again man dude how does that happen i don't know i, I mean you've done so much work to that and the funny thing is i mentioned this on the prior show I had it zeroed down to the connector that goes between the the two boards, you know, the main board and the the aux board, which is kind of like your XY board. Yeah. And I could open up the coin door, reach in there, and grab the the last couple wires closest to front of the cab and give them a little jingle, jiggle, and boom, she'd come right back. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. And it got to the point where I could bend them one way and it would go off, and I could bend them the other and it would go on. I was like. I got to have a, you know, I'd already repinned it, yeah. but that didn't mean that I wasn't having an intermittent connection somewhere in the wire in the itself. Wire, in the wire, yeah. So I had already gone through and re- replaced like the end 10 wires. 
I had both the boards out. I've had a magnifying glass on them, looking at the traces. I replaced the headers too. And I looked at the traces off the headers going to, you know, those first 10 or 12 headers on both boards. And anything that even just kind of just maybe looked like I didn't think I liked it. Yeah. Stuck the heat to it. Well, and I redundantly wired to the next component. So I knew it worked. Yeah. And I'll be darned if my niece was down, wasn't down here uh, a couple weeks ago turned it on and she said uncle brown was playing and the game went away i opened that coin door and reached in there and just kind of jiggle those wires and pop so i don't know if i don't i really don't know if i'm on the wrong trail or or what so i'm gonna have to spend some time with it i want to get somebody down here just to watch it yeah and i'm gonna have to get back inside of it with a plastic probe and start poking at stuff but yeah man that thing is driving me nuts <laughs> driving me nuts it's a good thing we love these things man so other than that, I've still got my big guns pinball that's sitting back here. I picked it up the first of the year, literally January one. Have not had an opportunity to open it up. Sounds and familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'd like you know, first world problems. Just leave it at that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I know. I know how you feel. So, and I'll go ahead and mention this. This is not necessarily game related, but man, it has been a, a time invader worse than Space Invaders. I have had to have some major construction here on the back of the house, and that's taken me away from a lot of the fun stuff, yeah. first world problems, Yeah, a lot of the fun stuff that I'd like to do. So I had some uh, uh, some some septic problems. This house is 60 years old. Yeah. And, man, it was time to address them. We were, you know, one thing turned into another, and it, it, turned, it turned into a big ordeal. So just been a lot of effort on my part trying to – get ready for that and then put things back together that were taken apart for all the work and man it's not game related but it's all part of life do you look like a crap ton of work when i pulled into your driveway <laughs> literally <man. laughs> yeah. yeah no pun, pun intended i was i was in my mind i was picking out which five puns i was going to use oh, yeah. i'm like that one fit so i'm going with that but i look at it like this man so i can have a party over here yeah and I don't have to everybody worry about flush. Everybody flush. Everybody matter, flush. Matter of fact, I'm gonna put a sign up that says "flush twice" just because. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you ate. Just flush. Yeah. You know. Just have at it. Well, dude, on my side, I have. Um, I've also been very, very busy. Just I, I would say with just general life stuff. And, and you know, Brent, I was going back and looking on the Facebook page because I have. Um, <laughs> I've had my zookeeper staring me in the face for months now. And I've made literally uh, no progress on it whatsoever. And it hasn't been for lack of desire. It's just been everything else sitting in front of me that I need to get done in, before I can work on what I want to work on. So... Life, it, I mean, it's you know, life gets in the way. You got to prioritize. It, it does, man. And you just got to take care of business and, and make sure business gets taken care of. But, but as far as that goes... Um, Honestly, dude, it's it's been a big fat zero. I'm working on the Zookeeper. I, I mean, I've got the game to the point to where I can make progress on it. You know, it's it's now it's now clean inside and out. It's beautiful. It looks good. I've got the best looking Zookeeper that doesn't play right now. Is, is thinking, about where I'm, I'm at. I'm thinking it's a it's a race to the end. Zookeeper versus Burger Time. <laughs> it may wind up being that. I mean, I've got the boards out of it. I got the boards broken down. I've got them sitting on my on my workbench. To start uh, going through the the header pins on it, uh, connectors on it, and everything, I've got to repin the harness and just try to solve some of the most 
current problems that those <clears throat> Tato boards tend to have. Okay. So, uh, so with that, you know, I, I know what I've got sitting in front of me, but at the same point, it's just been a little tough getting the time to sit down and do it. Um, so, but I will say this, I've got a lot of things in motion on it to where I can, uh, finish it back up. I've taken all the brackets in the coin door and I've sent them off and Brent, I've, I've, uh, through, with your help, I found a powder coater, and I'm giving the I'm giving that a shot to see how that goes. Versus me, you know, sanding them and primering and spray painting them and everything like that. I just really wanted to try this out and see how that was going to go. Um, and for everybody listening, I don't know what it's like in your area here in Louisville. Wait, we've got nothing, man. Yeah, it's difficult to find somebody if you want a powder coat at a hobbyist level yeah good luck yeah i mean i know places that uh that are in uh, an industrial level they'll do like sandblasting yes and i've taken them like a control panel or a coin door and they've tossed it in with the workload for i mean and of course i paid for it sure but and and it's just a few bucks but they're they're except they're accommodating to individuals that come in off the street and they just want one or two pieces powder coaters around here aren't like that no no and, and i'll say this the the guy that you hooked me up with brent so far has been excellent to work with okay excellent to work with because he does smaller run items and he's willing to heat up he's willing to fire up his oven which dude I, when i went up to his house to drop everything off i mean his oven runs off a of 400 amp service for oh wow a, a dual two i'm sorry a dual 200 amp service and so uh for feeding for you know for feeding each half of the oven it's it's crazy but he's willing to take on the smaller jobs i searched for probably a good two weeks trying to find local powder coaters in this area that would take on, and when I say in this area, I mean Louisville, Lexington, Shelbyville, Frankfort, you know, Southern Indiana, Southern Indiana, the surrounding area that would take on smaller box, you know, boxes of work rather than having to run everything industrial. And what you say is very true. I would say, well, I will say everybody except for the guy that you hooked me up with, and then a, another guy that would never call me back. Uh, I was not able to find anybody who would do uh, who would do you know small you know small run. small run. That's exactly right. So finding this guy, I thought you know what this is the perfect time to see how this is going to work out. So I took everything off the zookeeper. Uh, I took a uh, gosh. I would say, we keep saying this guy it, again. We haven't said hey look we're going to talk about you. No, uh, so I, I'm I'm hesitant to even go yeah. go that route because I don't I don't want to front load it good or bad, you know. So it's, so we're we're gonna I, I've worked with him in the past. He's done some stuff for me uh, from an automotive perspective, and yeah. I was always happy with his work. Yep. Um, and and I kind of reached back in the old brain cell and said, "Man, I got a guy. I wonder if he's still." And sure enough, he sure was enough, still he, around. He was still there, and he's he was doing the powder coat work more on the side and wouldn't uh-huh. he is it fair to say that he's actually kind of doing it as his main business now well i don't think so because i, I think he does everything once he gets home from, okay from that's, work. that's fine but it's split 50 50 between one of my other favorite topics which would be firearms and so he does firearms coating and he does powder coating and so so he'll do so he'll he'll do both and he he runs it seems like equal of both mm-hmm. so it it the guy's very well versed, and he certainly knows what he's talking about. It, it, he's a machinist by trade, very much so. And yes. you know, to do the firearm side of it, you can't just powder coat that. I mean, the coatings for that, <laughs> no, or no, there, no, it's no. a it's a different it's animal, different. and yes. the clearances are a different animal, so that everything still works. But yeah. uh, you know, it more, doesn't blow up when you pull the trigger. Yeah, yes. More to come on all this. You know, yeah. uh, in a perfect world, 
maybe we can open him up to a new market maybe and, and help a lot of hobbyists maybe so so, so what i'm doing is I, I take like i say i've taken everything off the zookeeper uh, you know all the metal off the zookeeper the, the all the external facing metal off the zookeeper i've taken a bunch of a, a, a bunch of brackets off of um some of my nintendo games that uh, like my popeye and my mario brothers that i like have, the marquee brackets yeah, marquee and, brackets and stuff that i have yet to that I have yet to restore uh, t- i've taken him a couple of coin doors a nintendo coin door an atari coin door and and just a lot of well a, a lot of other brackets off some of my other games like off my rally x uh, my galaga 3 my gapless however you want to say that and then a couple of other little uh, you know bits and pieces and parts i thought you know what there's going to be a lot here that just needs to be done in black you know just like satin black so let's just you know flat yeah satin he's got black. the gun loaded let's do he's it he's got the gun loaded man i just scraped together everything that i could and said hey just shoot it and let's go the other thing though that he is doing for me that i am very excited to see how this turns out is i took him up the legs and the armor off of my tron pinball and bring, he's he's going to powder coat those in the most beautiful royal blue that i could pick out from the color wheel that he gave me and i think it's going to match the game perfectly you know so I, I am really excited about that so assuming all this goes well then i, I would have no problem referring him on you know so yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes yeah maybe we can like i said maybe it if everything works out, we can you know, extend his business a little bit and then yeah. make a new, a new resource available to yeah, folks for, out for there. Yeah, for the hobby. Yeah, yeah. For, for anybody who's who would want to do like mail order powder coating or something like that. So, and yeah, of course, we'll, we'll we're, we're more than happy to take a side payment for for references. <laughs> you know, these podcasts do they, they do cost money? You know, <laughs> but but yeah, on the zookeeper though, Brent, it's you know at this point uh, I've got I've got the electrical work to do, I've got the board work to do, and then it's really just um, you know putting on a new control panel service. Servicing, uh, you know, the joystick and the buttons and getting everything cleaned up and, and really kind of going that going that route. I, st- I do still have to do the tube swap. I should just not have the bandwidth to even work on that. So, you know, that's that's that. Whitney, you know, looking back here at your notes too, some of you, you know, the r- reminders that you've got for what you've had going on. I mean, it looks like you've been working with some of the newest, latest and greatest technology in PCs. <laughs> yeah. What is, yeah. I looked down at yeah. this, I was like, does that actually say DOS 622? It, it does, yes. DOS 622 and a bucket load of serial and parallel ports is what I've been working with. Now, dude, so here, here's one thing, and I am curious to hear what our what our what our listeners do in this regard. But for everybody that burns ROMs, okay, I would love to hear some of your feedback on what your rig setup is for burning ROMs. Because what I have, um, what I've done, Brent, is I, I found a case that I think will suit me, and I'm building up a older slash mid slash kind of okay box. I don't even know how you get these three to work. Go, keep going. Uh, okay, so so here's the deal. So what I'm doing is I'm I'm building a configuration to where I'm going to triple boot between DOS Windows DOS six two two. Uh, or an earlier version, if if I have to go to that, if I have to go down that road, I mean, I can get back to DOS, DOS 5, five or DOS four, or DOS three. I've got all that, but um, but I've got that, and then a triple boot between DOS, Windows XP, and then um, a thirty two bit version, thirty two bit version of XP, and a thirty two bit version of Windows seven, just just for just for making sure that if I need you know a modern OS on it, that I can that I can use that for whatever I need. But here's the thing, Brent. Something that has that has really kind of irked me, I guess, you know, since getting a little bit further into the hobby, is that I've not had 
Um, I've not had the ability to to burn my own ROMs or I guess to reproduce some of the some of the ICs, whether they be you know EPROMs or bipolar PROMs or whatever it may be for for the machines that I've got. So over the past couple of years, and I've been squirreling this stuff away for a while, Brent. I know you and I've talked about this mm-hmm. a little bit along the way, but I've I've been uh, kind of squirreling some of this equipment away. But what I have right now. And dude, and I'll watch eBay like a hawk. And I've, I've, I'm pretty proud because I've been able to get this stuff at what I would consider to be very, very reasonable prices. Okay, I've been able to pick up a Data IO 29B, which, uh, if anybody is familiar with uh, Stefan from Hobby Roms, that's one of his go-to machines. Yeah, that's for, the, that's like the Cadillac it, old school it, machine. It, it is the Cadillac old school machine, but it also requires the oldest school hardware yep. to, to interface with it as well. But that being said, the mod the the data packs that you can swap in and out on that is is almost limitless for what you can make that machine able to burn and reproduce okay so if you want to do like the the bipolar roms which which require a fairly high current in order to in order to program those and essentially burn the literally physically burn, burn those um, it, it takes a machine like the data io to do that so i've i've got one of those with a fair amount of the data packs for it, I've also been able to pick up uh, a very complete uh, Needham EMP20. Okay, for for doing much of what I I would consider the same thing. And Brent, a lot of this is really just an exercise in me learning something. Now the okay? EMP20 is the one that takes the little like programming cards, right? It, it does. Yeah, it it has little swappable flat programming module cards or daughter cards, if you want, if you will, that that slide in and out, almost like laptop RAM. So bas- so basically, for people that have not seen one of these if you've got um say uh, a a 27 i don't know 64 okay and say next to it you've got a 2732 uh-huh. and it, and, uh, and these are eproms these yes. are eproms yeah these are eprom chips and eproms will hold the software for your games uh-huh. and so so you're sitting there and you're looking at the two of these and the pinouts will be different you know yeah. as as the eproms got larger they had more data pins or more address pins so these little programming cards you plug into the side and it basically assigned the pins on the socket uh-huh. so that you to, you to their function to their function That's and exactly then you can right. program them from the it was like it was almost like a it, I don't want to understate it because it's more elegant than this but it was almost like a bridge it was a, yeah you know I want to connect this pin to the, to do this and this pin to do that yeah it would t- it, they tell the EMP what to do essentially right. and they tell it how this wh- was before to, software selectable stuff exactly yes. because because via hardware it would say apply the electricity on these pins and then load the data across these pins so so that it would have uh, so, so that it would have the it would know how to talk, yeah, yeah. It would so know how to talk to the individual EPROMs, right? So it, you would have the flexibility in one small little chassis to program a wide variety of a uh, wide variety of EPROMs. So, so I've got um, I've got one of those. I've got one of the newer Gen Q, the 4X, the USB programmers. Now, have uh, you gotten to use that? I've I've heard a lot about those, but I've not used one. You know, I, I've only used it to read and to do dumps and everything, and it's worked okay for what for what it lists and for what it's uh, for what it's there for. Um, or what it's able to to read and, and to read and write, but that being said, it is a very capable little machine. 
But when you when you start to get into okay, I want to be able to burn the widest variety of EPROMs for the widest variety of games. What I have found is that you've you've really got to have a couple of different machines at your at your disposal. Okay, yeah, there's not so, there's not like a one size there, fits there, all. There is no one size fits all in this, and so you've got you've got to kind of dip your toes in a couple of different ways. That being said, the data IO, um, I'll post a picture of it in the blog post. It's a hulking beast, oh, man. Yes. I mean, this thing. It's a substantial piece yeah, of hardware. You, let's put it this way, dude. If you drop it on your toe, you get a free ride to the hospital probably because somebody's going to have to reset your big toe because mm-hmm. that it's it's probably broken. But um, <laughs> but the, in the Needham, uh, the EMP is very small. It can you can tote it around in your backpack or whatever. It's it's uh, it's very portable. But you know they all use a combination of of parallel port connectors, serial port connectors, so on down the line. And so some of the software for for programming the ROMs is only going to work in DOS. Some of it will work in Windows, uh, but Windows XP may be a stretch for it. Uh, and then, of course, Windows Seven would be just for just for booting back into something for you know doing utility work on everything else. But it's going to involve. I'm going to have three hard drives in it, Brent, and you know so that I can triple boot cleanly and you things know, like that. I was sitting here looking at the at the uh, programmable part list for the uh, uh, which one was it? The GX the, the Gen Q Q4X. Uh-huh. Some point in time, maybe we need to sit down and talk about programmers. Well, and, and here's the thing: I'm doing this so that we can, at some point in time, have that discussion. Okay, because like I've got a, and you need to probably go through my data IO. I've got a, da- I've got two 29 Bs, and I've okay. got a bunch of the data packs. Okay. At one point in time, I tried to find a, what does this data pack program like cross reference list uh-huh. and. Uh, I never. I was hoping someone had something out there already. Well, it, it, okay. So here's the, here's the hashtag pro tip for for, for the episode. Okay, it's about time. The, yeah, no we're doubt. not. We're an hour and ten minutes into this. Yeah, we haven't had a tip. And we we not had a pro tip yet. There is a Yahoo group that you probably need to join, and I'll make sure that it gets into the show notes or in the blog post for for this episode. But it is a Yahoo group um, specifically for the data IO programmers and if you if you get into that group it's moderated so you have to ask for yes you have to ask for attend permission to gain attendance to the group but once you do the the people that maintain that group have gone out of their way to post uh, let's say patched versions of the software so that you can run it on a little bit more modernized operating systems. Um, you know, archives of the data IO uh, software so that you can go back and pull out historical old versions. There's some tutorials and things like that. So I'm, I'm not going to trivialize their work because it's, it's impressive oh, yeah. to say the least. I, okay? I figured like in my case, I was going to have to go through and take all the, the, the pack, the mod and, and real quick too, we talked about on the need on the, the data IO it's like Whitney said. It's a beast. It's, and it's, beast, it's got a, a what's the effectively an open bay on the front of it, where you swap the packs. Yeah, in and, and the, out. the yeah the packs are they're large. It's not like just a little plug-in thing. I mean, it yeah. is something substantial. It's, it's very substantial. I don't know, Whitney. It's probably the diameter of maybe like a. Uh, um, I don't know, maybe the footprint of like a joystick base, but yeah, maybe a little bit longer. It's, it's, I'm going to say longer and, and a little bit wider and, just and certainly a lot deeper. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's substantial. But what's interesting about the data IO, you turn this baby on and it it whirs. You know, yeah, it's got it, fans. It's got it. fans, but it, but it has, you know, like... 
a single line, a single line. It's got know, a keyboard on it. And it's got a full keyboard for doing the programming and everything. I mean, there's no, there's no modern UI to this thing now, whatsoever. These I mean, were, it's, it's old school. These could be used as standalone. Like you could put, you know, they made things called like gang packs. Gang packs. That's you exactly right. Put like a master in and it had. And it would do the copy. It would. I mean, it, it wasn't just like a one to one where you could. They, no, it, th- it could duplicate in mass. Yeah, it had like eight or ten, or I'm just pulling this from memory, eight or ten write writable sockets, and then yeah. you could just stand alone, no PC connection. Oh no! But it, if you connected, it was like old school serial port. Th- that's exactly right. So you could drive it with software, or if you were if you were fluent in how the data I/O works, you could do all the programming. Uh, you could, you could set up all of the programming operations pad. right there through the number pad and, and get it to go. So very capable, no doubt about it. But that's something that I've had sitting uh, in my workroom downstairs for far too long. And it's like you know something. Got to do something with it. I got to do something with it. And while I've got some downtime for some other stuff, and, and honestly, Brent, while I was working on the video for you know the David Crane seminar and this and that, I would just <laughs> take a break and work on something else, and come back to it, take a break and work on something else so you know this this past couple of months has just been a lot of um what i consider you know me doing bits and pieces of, of multitasking on projects well, i'm really interested to, know, to hear about the the gen q the gen q4x yeah just looking at it i mean it it looks to be i think it was like a hundred dollars is what, what yeah, it goes for it, yeah it, i think if it is if you buy the power adapter the wall wart for it but Chances are, if you you know if you've got a box of wall warts, you're going to find something yeah. that will drive it. Well, the thing is, is if memory serves, they're based on the Willem design, and that, that, that's a are. whole other fork of a conversation. Yeah. But um, this thing looks. I, I've used Pocket Programmers, you yeah. know, and like right now, I'm using a Pocket Programmer three. I'm going to go in here. I was going to look at the current list price on it, but it seems to me that it. It's been a while since I bought one. It seems to me that they are significantly more. Than than the the Gen I don't know why, I the, want to say Willem, Gen X no the Willem yeah. Gen Q is yeah what it, is. it seems yeah. like it's significantly more than the the Willem Gen Q but the Gen Q is I, I guess the way I understand it is is it's like that Willem design mm-hmm. but it's not like getting an an uncased Willem that was just you don't know the history of it and exactly. the, the level of components in it when you get a cheap one off eBay there is some there's some teeth behind this one it's yeah. manufactured tolerances it's, it's, it's got supported. some reliability it's, it's supported, supported. And, yeah. and they actually the, the company that, that produces these actually maintains the software and updates the software uh, you know the programming software for it as well so it works it works out pretty well but yeah more more to come on that yeah because, we have to do something on that yeah because you know at some point Brent I'd like for this bench PC to also drive a, like a digital oscilloscope or USB based digital oscilloscope scope for doing some troubleshooting and things like that i mean i'm really just trying to get you know a, a bench pc that i can pick up and take somewhere if if need be but it really serves as kind of like a one-stop shop for me for doing some troubleshooting and and things things along those lines so that's it so dude one thing that i do want to revisit and i don't want to get so far down the road where where we we spin up a lot of topics, do a little bit of data on them, and then move on to something else. And I, I know that you know I personally have been 
uh, I'm guilty of doing that a little bit, but man, I think there's, I think there's a certain amount of schizophrenia that happens in this hobby, whether you try to avoid it or not. Okay. So, so I, I will say that, but one thing that I have worked on is, Brent, I don't know if you remember me posting uh, a photo album on our Facebook page about, you know, essentially your portable toolbox, your toolbox. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so, man, so I have had some time to revisit that. And man, dude, I am so happy because I've just about got that thing finished. I picked up, uh, you know, a series of sockets, Don't ratchets, lie to yourself, and man. stuff like it's that. It's never going to be finished. Okay, fair <laughs> enough, but it's far more fleshed out now than it was. And so by the time this episode airs, I've gotten some additional pictures. I'll get them in the Facebook album. But the one thing that I did want to talk about, more so than just kind of fleshing out the toolbox itself, is the second part of that discussion was on a portable soldering station or a portable soldering rig and I have made some pretty significant uh, progress on that because I have um, well let's see man over Christmas I took advantage of a sale that B&D Enterprises had I, I upgraded my desktop desoldering station okay and then I was able to take the little portable 808 gun that I've been using and then move that into my portable rig and then kind of flesh it flesh it out a little bit like I say a picture's worth a thousand words I'll get that up on the Facebook album but and I'm I, happy I, to I've say just, I've just about got that set up the way that I want I'm it. happy it's to say cool. that in this case I'm the one that cost you that money you did yes you usually did. you cost me money every show I cost you no, that you, money you, you, and you I did, am thrilled you did cost me that money but what I will say is that upgrade and I went to a Haco I want to say it's a 4770, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'll, I'll have to go back. I, I probably shouldn't even have said the number without looking it up. But um, but it's one of the it's one of the the gun based setups that desktop that, that that is a desktop that has the the pump right in the desktop unit. What I found about that, Brent, is it allows Was me, it a 472? 472D. D, That's yeah. what it is. Thank you. Thank you. 472D. I've got an older... I, um, I think mine's a 471. Okay. Uh, I've got a little older version of this. And, yeah. and mine is the more the pencil style. Is I, I need to get one of the, the wands like yours that's like the classic gun the, the, yeah. the real small classic gun so here's the thing the 472d it was expensive as all get out i mean it it, it cost some money but what i was able to do is take um, a sale and, and i have no problem talking about this i got it at bnd enterprises they run generally sales at the holiday okay so i was able to take that i was able to take a pin side discount for christmas that they were offering lay that on top of that and then use a couple of gift cards <laughs> you know like the american express or you know um, visa like credit card gift cards mm -hmm. that, that you get sometimes for you know for whatever reason i got these through uh, through doing some some stuff at work some surveys at work and got those and was able to lay that on top of it and brent by the time that it was all said and done i was able to get that thing for just a little over half price oh that's great and so it was like it was like man it's a no-brainer why not you know why not it was it was a great upgrade i do not regret it for a minute and i was able to take my 808 and then put it into move it down to you know my portable or my, my running gear i guess if i was going to throw something in my car or my truck you know to to take with me somewhere on a trip or you know at, a, at an expo or something like that so so dude i'm very very happy i've got a nice desoldering setup in my workroom now and i'd now have a good portable setup as well again 
pictures are worth a thousand words. I'll get, I'll get those pictures and get them up in, into the Facebook album. But I just, I did want to, you know, I did want to bring that topic back around because it, man, dude, we got a lot of feedback on that, on the Facebook album. And a lot of people were talking about that and I just wanted to revisit it and, you know, and just talk about some of the progress I'd made on it. And, and for folks that don't know, Whitney, you know, you mentioned the 808 a couple of times and I don't know what the part number is of the model that just superseded that. The 808 has been around for a while. It's been around for a while. It, yeah. It, in effect, what is this? Is a handheld desoldering, not just iron, like the classic like Radio Shack one with the little bulb on it. This is, it's got a little vacuum pump that's in the head of it. It's kind of gun shaped and it's got a, a heated tip. You, you know, more or less use that tip to encompass whatever you're going to desolder, pull the trigger, pump fires up, and it sucks the solder out of it and catches it in a little filter. It does, and it's all self-contained right there. So I just looked this up real quick. It looks like the FR300 is what succeeded yeah, the 808. Yeah, they're getting away from their kind of their just like three three number designation. Yeah. You know, just the 808 or the 7 whatever or, you know, it is what it is. It, it is what it is. But, but yeah, and, and I'll tell you, they're not... They're not extremely inexpensive either, but the, the goal is to buy smart. Don't don't just buy on a whim. Don't just buy because you, you know you think you, you think you got to have something. Uh, get on Pinside um, and and get with B and D Enterprises. Get you know use use the discount that they offer, and then see if you can see if you can't stack it on top of something. This this four seventy two D is not something I would have just bought just because it's like oh hey I think I'll just go buy that you know this month or something. It's like no I I tried to be very methodical about getting everything stacked on top of each other and getting it bought down as far as I could. Now I will throw this out here out there too. But you still cost me money. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I got mine from eBay. And okay. I've had the the Hacko one that I've you say Hack Hako, I say Hacko. Yes. Tato Tito. Tato Tito. I got mine from eBay long ago. Okay. And I, I can't remember what I give for it, but it seems like it was one of those deals where it was either listed incorrectly or it was just one of those things that snuck in under the radar and I got it for a sweet deal. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, and sweet. There's a lot of the the Hacko equipment and pace equipment that makes its way through through eBay, whether it's some production shop that's that's upgrading yes. or an individual hobbyist that that's upgrading or somebody getting out of the hobby or yeah. you know because that that's a tool that crosses well beyond the arcade stuff. It does, it does. In you know, in, in the lesson with it, I think is don't buy list. Don't pay list for this stuff. Okay. If you're in, you if you got to hunt it down, but you can find it cheaper. If you're buying second hand, yeah. make sure you research a little bit. Don't just say, Oh, there's a Hako or Hako such and such to solder. Well, there's, there's some of them and we don't need to get super deep in the weeds on this. Just research it. There's, yeah. there's some of them that need what's called shop air, which is mm -hmm. they use compressed air provided by an external source uh, to draw the vacuum. And I don't yeah. know how technically they do it. I'm sure it's probably just like a, a low pressure, high pressure kind of draw through thing. But, yeah. um, you know, that, that's not going to do you any good unless you got a little compressor sitting around. It's a pain, and, and, it's a pain and, in the backside. And why do you want to desolder sitting next to a running air compressor? Yeah. You, you, Even you, if it's you know. a little itty bitty one, it's still a pain. Yeah. What I, I guess what I'm saying is, is just go out and poke around. If, you know, if you're not in a hurry, if you're making do a solder braid right now and doing some cat kits, you're, you're, do, your, do yourself a favor though yeah you're doing fine you're doing fine but, but do yourself a, a favor keep an eye out you know yeah. don't run out looking to buy something get a little yeah. educated on it yeah and in something like whitney said don't pay less something 
don't don't fall in love you can't do that because these require regular maintenance a lot of times you need to you need to clean it you need to make sure that they stay very clean uh but they'll have diaphragms they'll they'll have uh, rubber seals grommets like they've got tips just like a soldering iron that you have to replace everything burns up the you know the, the rubber pieces will get brittle um you've got to clean them uh, quite regularly, so there there is a trade off for using them. But you know, uh, life, I can I can desolder a forty pin IC in no time. Well, I was bam, bam, say, bam. exactly. I mean, once you go to that level, you would not want to go back. I'll just say, life short, desolder fast. So that's about the best you way know, I that, know to say that. That's a geeky technical T shirt <laughs> that we're going to have to have made and where it shows. Exactly, exactly. But outside of that, Brent, uh, I have been able to pick up um a couple games that i have been uh that i've been looking for 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 quite some time uh, a couple of these uh, you know just kind of fell into my lap but uh one thing i will say is that uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy about this i was able to pick up um pick up a bump and jump of all things so it's beautiful uh it is hardly uh looks like it has hardly been played it is dirty but it and it does need a good cleaning. But but dude, how many bump and jumps do you find? I, I mean, I've I, thinking back. I I want to say that in, here in town, I've only ever seen one. Okay, all right. I've and, and the one I'm thinking of, it's been so long ago, I could be mistaken. Honestly, yeah, yeah. I, I, they just don't come up that often, and I I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a terribly deep game. I've always had fun with it. I've always liked it. But um, that's all that matters, man. Yeah, yeah. But I was I was very 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 happy to be able to pick one of those up, and then I Brent I found a Satan's Hollow. And uh, now it it definitely needs some work. So it's not what I would consider uh, 100% complete at this point in time. <laughs> hey, I'm, I've got all kinds of stuff torn apart. Let's bring an MCR2 game into the house. Yeah, let's, let's just do another Micker game and just go, go at it again, you know. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to require some time. But it is the cabinet itself is in good shape. Uh, it's it's very complete. Uh, I've got everything for it. Um, it just needs uh, an extremely good cleaning. I've got to take care of the lights that are in it and uh, and everything like that. But I I do at some point look forward to getting that back together. Um, that's actually one of my favorite games, man. I, I I enjoy playing that game. It's a lot of fun. Um, it looks really neat when it's all lit up and and everything like that. So I played it a couple times. I I don't know, man. It's like Donkey Kong. Well, <laughs> You're killing me. I'm just glad we have different tastes so that we can so that we can talk about it on the show. Oh but gosh, I thought I, you were gonna I thought you were gonna lose it. It's it's funny, man, dude. I bet if we were to list out our ten favorite games, they would be completely different. I'm sure they would. I, I'm be. sure they would be. You know, it, it's something. But um, the other thing, though, Billy I mean, Mitchell, don't hate me, please. Yeah, yeah, but Donkey Kong rules. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so to say, no. But um, the other game that I have uh, that I have been collecting parts for i guess for quite some time and when we get into like the restoration segment here in just a little bit man i've actually got a couple things about this to to speak to that really that got me pretty excited about this but dude i'm i'm in the process of trying to get an empty tempest cabinet to do a major havoc build at some point in the future now so, was this a converted like you got a line on one or you're just looking for an empty tempest cabinet? I, no, no, no. I've got a line on one. I just, I just have to get it picked up, but that's, uh, 
via a couple of the life <laughs> situations yeah, we were talking that. about. I just haven't been able to haven't have not been able to go get it. But I do have a line on it. I got it secured. I just have to go. I just have to go pick it up. Well, good, but good, then you can join me in having another pile of parts <laughs> yes. added to the list of things that you need to put together. Exactly, exactly. So, man, I'm telling you, man, the schizophrenia just it runs wild. It's like, oh yeah, that, yeah, game, yeah, that, that squirrel, you know, and it just tend, dude, it tends to go that route. And I don't. It's so much easier to get the pieces to put geez. them all together than it is the time to do it. Isn't that the truth, man? Isn't that the truth? But also, but, you know, maybe, but with maybe that, that's another one that we can put put up as a contest race to the end. <laughs> Who's going to do it? our major havoc to, uh, first? You know. Yeah, our conversion major havocs first, you know. But hey, you know, whoever gets it done first can help the other person, and it's you well, know, it's not going to be as cool because there'll be more of them in town. I won't. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's true. But it's a fun <laughs> game to play, though, dude. It's a fun game to play. Mine would look so good next to my Tempest. Yes, yes, it would with the roller all lit up and yep. everything, you know. So anyway, so that's kind of what I, what I've had going on, dude. It's it's been it's been a lot of volleying, volleying back and forth with a lot of different topics and ideas and things, just kind of running back and forth. All that being said. Uh, you need to get busy on the burger time. I need to finish up the zookeeper. We need to put all this other stuff we talked about on the table somewhere off to the side so that we can stay on task. <laughs> That's what we need to you, do. You listen to our show. We can't uh, we can't stay on task on just a con- the conversation at hand. It's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah. no, good stuff happening. Just you know, just a lot of this and that is what it's turned into. But that that dude is what I've had going on. I think we've touched on all of our updates. Let's move on to like some technical and restoration. Oh, no, there's, there's tons of good stuff here, man. All right, Whitney. All right, see you in a minute. Okay, Whitney, I have got the perfect way to kick off the technical and restoration segment for this show. All right, let's hear it. I'm going to talk about somebody else's podcast. <laughs> hey, works it works for me, man. You know, it's it's a small community. We got to share the love, man. Well, actually, this podcast isn't a gaming podcast, so you know, bear with me for a minute, and hopefully, the payoff is worth it. Okay, there's a show I listen to called The Amp Hour. Never heard of it. And it's amp, A-M-P, and it's not like amplify like sound. It's amp like amp, ampere. Okay. The Amp Hour, and it's put on by a couple guys couple of electrical engineers ees one by the name of dave jones dave's out of australia and uh chris gamble chris is out of ohio i think it's actually out of, he's out of cleveland oh neat okay so i would recommend you you check the show out even okay. if you're not an ee i've learned a lot just listening to them and okay and it's really free form they don't really cover it's a weekly show they don't really cover uh, god, um, god bless them for being a weekly oh, show yeah, yeah yeah no doubt well D- dave runs a, a thing called i think it's the eev blog okay and if you look that up on on youtube he does a lot of like tear down videos a lot of uh, kind of real techie type stuff this may not be giving dave credit but i would kind of look at it like the the I'm going to go overboard in explanation and technical detail version of like a Ben Heck. Okay. Okay. Ben is unbelievably bright. We all know that. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Very much you know, so. Ben's, Ben's a guy that designed not only America's Most Haunted for Spooky Pinball, but it's based on a board that Ben designed. I think it's called the 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 Pen Heck. The Pen Heck. Yeah, yes, so ben, that is Ben's, correct. 
Ben is unbelievable. He's he's one of those guys that's got electrons zipping around his head when you talk, <laughs> when you see him. You know, he's really bright. But when on Ben's show, it tends to be geared a little bit more toward a general audience. I think I'm safe in saying that. Whereas uh, uh, Dave's is more detailed, more for like your electrical engineer type folks. So, okay, so I just looked this up on YouTube, and it looks like the Electronics Engineering Video Blog. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. E- okay. E- okay. EV Blog. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Now I will. Let me go and throw this out here. Okay. Um, we are we we keep a clean show. They there there isn't words tossed out just for the sake of tossing them out, but. Um, he things can get salty on both shows. Well, you you know, know, it happens. You know, yeah, it's all good. So I think if memory serves, I mean, we, I mean, we're not prudes or anything. No, we're, no, we're, we're just trying to keep a good family friendly show. Yeah, we, you we, know? we yeah. get a lot of feedback about uh, folks that run it in their game room or in their shop, and, exactly. and they know that they don't have to worry about the kids walking in. Yeah, and, and that's that's fine. We're yeah. we're good with that. Yeah, it's all good because see, I save all my bleeping for as soon as you tell me the recording has stopped. <laughs> oh yeah, then it's, then, it's, wreck. then it's a train wreck. But we get back on, and it's like okay. Yeah, you know, let's let's, let's keep keep Chris, her on. Point Chris here. on the show on the Empire has even kind of joked with Dave and, and guests <laughs> about like sometimes cursing is uh, maybe I'm putting words in Chris's mouth, but it's almost like an Australian dialect. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> that's, but that's I, I, awesome. I wanted I wanted to throw that out there if you go to check it out. But yeah, man, it, it's an it's an awesome show. I enjoy it. I'm not an EE, but I've learned a lot of things uh, just as they've discussed projects that they're working on. Okay. And, and uh, I'm uh, definitely going to check this out. Yeah. It, it's really interesting. They're, they've got industrial background. They've got, you know, design background. Chris does teaching now. Dave has his own company. Okay. And, you know, Dave's talked a little bit about hiring and just oh, personnel work. And I've learned a lot of technical things from them. Uh, some things I'm like, well, what does that even mean? And I'll yeah. go look it up. I'm Gotta, like, oh. Yeah, and I fixed things based on concepts I've questioned or and looked up or learned about just listening to the show. And one of the side effects of the show that I take away from it is, is it's really kind of cool to understand what goes behind some of the products that we take for granted. Well, dude, I would say this, this is quite the find because I'm just looking through it, just to segue before yeah, you yeah. roll into this. They've got show titles like the world's most expensive hard drive or the hundred dollar multimeter shootout. Okay. Or now, is this the EEV blog or this, is this the amp hour? No, this is on the EEV blog. Okay. okay? You know, now that's just Dave that's yeah, the, under, from Australia. Under, Dave understood. Jones. understood. Yeah. But you know, when, when we're talking about, you know, the personalities involved, I mean, it really looks like he's, he's getting into some really neat, uh, you know, some, some really neat uh, topics. I mean, here it is the logic analyzer tutorial. And, you know, he talks about like, uh, you know, crystal oscillator uh, drift and just, you know, just stuff like that. PCB assembly, 3d printing capacitors. Yeah. Okay. Solid find. Dude. Oh yeah. Solid I mean, it's, find. I, I need to look more at the EV blog. I tend to, to take all my external, you know, all my content, if you will, yeah. in, in an audio format, like yeah. a lot of folks I, do. Yeah, see, man, I do the same. I do. Just because of drive time and yes. walking the dog or working outside, cutting the grass, doing whatever. It's hard to it's hard to cut grass and watch YouTube. When yes. we figure that out, maybe I need Google. Maybe I need. Oh no, you can do it as long yeah. as you don't mind losing a foot, you know. But yeah, exactly. Darn it, I should have got on that yeah. Google Glass thing. <laughs> dang it, dang it. So I would recommend if you've got some cycles left in your podcasting time, whatever, give the, give the amp hour a listen. And I'm going somewhere with this. I'm okay. going to tie this back. No, no, I'm not yeah. just, I'm not just pushing their, uh, their show. 
even if you're not an EE, it's really cool, like I said, listening to what goes into production of things that we take for granted. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I, I've got background in work in, in such and such, and we designed this, and oh, you know, we're always, you know, those those darn business people, they want it to look like this, but they can't fit a this and a that, you know, and it's, it's really kind of interesting to just get that behind the scenes. But yeah. so what I'm bringing up here is Amp Hour 241 is an interview with a gentleman by the name of Chuck Peddle. Okay. So what's cool about Chuck and how does that relate to us? All right. Chuck designed the 6502 processor. Oh, there you go. So okay. why do we care? Yeah. It's in a ton of video games. All right. Gottlieb pins and videos, as well as Atari video games. I don't know. Whitney, have you ever heard of Lunar Lander? Oh, oh yes. Centipede. Yes. Yeah. Asteroids, Missile Command, Crystal Castles, Tempest, Asteroids Luck, Space Duel, Gravatar, da, 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 on and on and on. A lot of these games have 6502s in them. Earlier, we talked about LAX, Louisville Arcade Expo. We talked about you know a little bit of console stuff. The 2600. Wow, this, well, is, this is great, dude. I'm, dude. I'm looking at this while you're talking the about NES, it. The NES. awesome. You know, here's some more console stuff. You know, the NES, the Atari 800, the Commodore. I was a Commodore the guy. The 2600, man? Uh, uh, the 800. Did the 2600 have a 6502 yeah, it? Yeah, I'm looking here at the Amp Hours website. And it says the 6502 was in, and they've got on this on their latest episode, they've got a picture here of Chuck. You know, he's he's in a very stylish cowboy hat yep. and everything. You know, he's got the brim rolled. He's, you know, looking all rugged and everything. So uh, so here we go. The 6502 was used in seminal personal computers like the, the Commodore PET, the Atari 2600, the original Nintendo. Yeah, he worked for Commodore. He designed the PET. That's crazy. The C64 and the Apple II. I bet this, I bet this dude is a trip to listen to. And, and that's the cool thing. If you listen to this... Yeah, uh, I'm... I'm, I'm it, one, subbing, at, man. One, at one point, uh, Chuck, Chuck Peddle kind of apologizes to, to, to Chris and Dave for just talking. And they're like, no, man, just <laughs> listening to you talk and weave these stories together yeah. is unbelievable. So now I will tell you, he does mention video games. Okay. He mentions doing some work with Atari. He mentions uh, doing some work with Apple. Um, he he mentions uh, I think it was Wozniak from Apple. Mm-hmm. I, I may be getting this wrong. He did Breakout for Atari. I think that I think that is correct. Now I think Woz did Breakout for for Atari, not Pong, but Breakout. Correct. Yeah, because okay. it was. Uh, um, Oh, it wasn't Steve Wozniak that did Pong. The name no, was Al Alcorn. Al That's yeah, right. And here's the thing: the reason why, and dude, I don't want to segue, but this is the perfect segue to talk about this. I've started. I don't want to do it. I'm going to do <laughs> it. I'm going to do it. Um, Take the wheel. <laughs> I have started reading Atari Business is Fun. Okay. So yep. I'm I'm about a third of the way through the book right now. So that's on. That's the reason why a lot of that is still fresh in my mind. Now I have not gotten to the point to where. Um, to where the 2600 has been released yet. I'm okay. getting close to that. Have you read the book by no, any I chance? have not. I have not. Okay. All right. Um, just in, w- one thing real quick. I have to give a plug for this. If anyone out there listening has not read Ready Player One, you're missing out. You owe it to yourself to, to, to check that. It's by Ernest Klein. It's a fantastic 80s reference book set in the future. Um, just get it on Amazon or wherever you buy books. You owe it to yourself to try it. It's about 400 pages. Very easy read. Uh, Spielberg is actually going to direct the uh, movie adaptation of Ready Player One. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. it's awesome. So if, if you 
you read? No, I have not. Dude, read it. Okay, now back to the podcast. Back to the podcast. Back to back to not our podcast, but someone else's podcast. Yeah, another podcast. Got it. Yeah. So there is some mention of video games in here, and I will go ahead and warn you. It's not like okay, well, we did this at Atari, and we did this, and we did that. This goes back to earlier what I was saying about listening to the Amp Hour in general, and you get a better feel for the industry. Chuck's stories really talk about what it took to create the processor, and there's a there's quite a bit of talk of its use, like in the home computers and using it at Commodore. What you've got to realize, and I, this is my add to this, you've got to realize that that Chuck had this vision. He built the processor. They there wasn't a need for the processor as far as the business community. You know, the folks he was working for, uh, Motorola at the time saw, and Chuck saw this future. And there's there's other portions of the show where talk, Chuck talks about futures and where he he has this unbelievable. Uh, conversation about work his he does and his company does with ram that's used like in uh usb jump drives and you know how how he can how he has created this technology to take failed production pieces and use them correct them like with a laser after i mean it is just amazing i could just fork and fork and fork and tangent and tangent from those forks about some of the stuff he's done the front half of the interview solid on the 6502 okay and it if it wasn't for what what chuck did and the products that it came out in to yet drive the price point down even further than he was coming out of the gate with we wouldn't see these chips driving these games that we know and love. Uh, okay, gotcha. So one of the couple of the things that really hit home to me to to add a little bit more to this is when when Chuck started actually producing the, these chips himself through a, a you know kind of his little company. He he was going for a lower price point. So you know a, what was a quote unquote processor at the time was in the two fifty to three hundred dollar range. Okay. Chuck was selling these at like a CES show for twenty five bucks a pop. Okay. And the the he has all these stories where he has all these interactions with Bill Gates, with Wozniak, <laughs> with Steve okay. Steve Jobs and Woz walked into the hotel room that he and his wife had set up at CES because they couldn't sell on the show floor. Okay. And he sold them the first 6502 that was used to uh, build the models for the Apple One from. And then he has a story where he later went and visited them as a follow-up as he was doing with other folks that had bought his chips and helped them fine-tune and get their devices running okay so he's got stories with bill gates and how um uh, how basic and microsoft basic became available and was tied to the 6502 so you had basic uh programming languages on computers that were running the 6502 processor and again this all folds into Make putting this out there, making it available, and now we can use it in all these other products. So, the the other super takeaway for me, for me was he invented the PIA. So what's okay. what's a yep. PIA if you don't know? PIA is peripheral interface adapter. It was so he he was he he almost says okay I've got this chip, but I I need a way to make it talk to other stuff. So the PIA is the secondary chip that sets out there 
this processor can talk to the PIA, and then the PIA is set up to physically interface with the, the material world. If you've ever played a Williams Arcade game, mm-hmm. Robotron, mm-hmm. Uh, Defender, Joust, if you've played any of the Williams System X games, like System 6 games, System whatever games, they're like, they might not have a 6502 in them. They've got like a 6509 or, or something else. Uh, uh, not, um, I, I'm confused by numbers. That's not important. They might not have a 6502 in them, but they've got PIAs in them. They've got the next generation of that technology. If, if you've ever heard of the widget board, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's in a it's, Williams it's game. It's in a Williams games, yeah. What that is, is that's a board that's got a PIA and a header to connect to the control panel. And that is how, that PIA is how the control panel talks to the processor. Gotcha. This man invented that technology to tie, like I said, the processor out to the physical world, out to other devices. You know, there's a, all the Williams games, there's a PIA on the soundboard. That's how the soundboard talks to the processor. So, man, this is, this is a really cool Interview. Yeah. I mean, from awesome. a historical I'm, I'm de- perspective. I'm definitely going to check this out. Definitely so, going to check it out. So we'll have a link to this particular show. Like I said, it's episode 241 um, of the Amp Hour and interview with Chuck Pedal. And you know, I really, I would recommend that you that you listen to the show. It's a really <laughs> interesting show. Now, have you have you gone back and started catching the back catalog on it? Or, or no, I haven't. I, I started listening to the show. Let's see. When was uh, uh, Pinball Expo in Chicago? What month was that? No, that was November. So of 2014. I started listening around November. Okay. I downloaded some episodes and I was listening to them on the drive up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. October, so, November time frame. Yeah. You know, and they run literally. They it's an amp hour. You know, they they, they an amp hour. <laughs> that, that's another term into itself. That's actually sure, a sure thing. It is. Yeah, yes, but it is. they, it's kind of a play on words from their perspective, and they they run it about an hour. Okay. So yeah, it's it's an easy listen. This one runs a little long because they they kind of let they they pulled the cord on Chuck and they let him go, and, and he's he's pretty interesting to talk to listen to. So okay, sw- okay, awesome. Yeah, dude, I'm definitely gonna definitely subscribe into that, no doubt. So the other thing I wanted to kind of get into, and this was a reference to my earlier conversation about uh, all the Space Invaders. So if you've got Space Invaders out there in your collection or you're thinking about getting one, I wanted to kind of hit a couple kind of techie things on the Space Invaders to hopefully help help some folks out. Keep in mind, this isn't limited. First, first of all, this is the Midway Space Invaders. It's not the Tato Space Invaders. Okay. And it's that classic L board, if you've ever seen it. So you've got two boards plugged in uh at a 90 degree angle Mm -hmm. okay and there's like a kind of a triangular brace that goes between them to kind of hold them in so space invaders space invaders deluxe uh a lot of your midway games of that late 70s era i think seawolf is one i think 280 zap there's a couple i've actually got a gun game out in the garage it's crossing over right from that mechanical kind of em era right into the video era and it's 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 on this 8080 hardware that's kind of the the l hardware if you will it's got this l shape to it so this will apply across the board it's not just space invaders type stuff but i say that now let me hit you with something right up on the space invaders the central resource for space invaders info 
is Brent Radio's site. Now, I haven't talked to Brent in a long time. He used to be active on Clove as Brent Radio. Okay. I mean, I'm familiar with the with the handle or with mm-hmm. the username and you know, I'm I'm on his site right now while you know, while you're talking about this, just kind of reading through some of this. Mm-hmm. I've never visited this site before. I didn't even really know that it even existed to be honest to be honest with you. So this this is definitely something I'm going to have to absorb, but um but yeah, it's, I, I do remember. I do remember the handle, and do remember the you know the person on Clove. So hopefully, Brent, man, if you're still out there, Brent and I actually had occasion to talk like on the phone a couple of times many years ago. Uh, I believe at the time he was out in Nevada. You know, Brent, if you're out there listening, man, I uh, hope you're doing well. You know, uh, come back and visit Clove every once in a while. It's you know shame to see you. Uh, have to go, but Dude, we understand. Yeah, life I mean, is life. Well, cl- things. If you know, I mean, the club membership just it goes it in cycles. cycles. Yeah, man, it does. I mean, people will be there and then they won't, and people will be there and then they won't. It yeah, without getting into a club dissertation. Yeah, but yeah, it cycles. So Brent's out there. He he's known for for folks that have kind of been in the community for a while. He has a, a an awesome site. We'll link to it where he kind of coalesces all kinds of space invaders information not just midway but also the tato so that's a pretty good reference to look look toward to get schematics and manuals and that kind of fun stuff speaking of if you've got a man if you've got a manual for space invaders it's not online anywhere i've not been able to find it it's not like they didn't make a blue million of the things so if you've got a space invaders and it's got a manual still pinned inside the door pull that thing out and scan it and make it available to the community uh, there's some like single sheet schematics, and I have no idea what the sources of, the, of those are, of the the main board and the daughter board, and then like a basic like cabinet wiring. But beyond that, there's no real actual manual out there that okay. gives you like. I'm assuming there had to have been one. Um, the the schematics that are out there almost look like they're like a like an afterthought. It's just kind of weird. You'd have to see them. So yeah, if you've got a manual, make it available. The uh, speaking of schematics, the schematics that are out there. Do you have a manual? I do not. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I actually went and looked through my pile, thinking, "Man, I have got to have." Sure, I don't. You don't? Okay, fair enough. I know. I know. I don't have one. You know, in my manual box. But I was just curious. So the big thing that's usually a problem on your space invaders is is sound. You know, you're you're going to be missing a sound. The, The the main board in that little L formation is for the most part shareable among all of these games that use it the second board the daughter board kind of is tailored no well, not kind of it is tailored to the game so brent brent's site has a, a section just on sound and, okay. and more or less there's not like sound generated out of out of a game program there is discrete circuits there's individual circuits components amplifiers whatever that that have some ee much smarter than me has worked worked out to produce the sounds it's this the the missile shot the invader explosion gotcha. all that kind of fun okay. stuff okay so the brent site does a really good job of lining out this this component does this this component's responsible for this sound this component's responsible for that sound why is that important well if you look at the schematics for the daughter board it it's got little sections and it says okay this section does this this section does that it's wrong. Oh, I see. If you're if you're fighting sound X, if you're trying to figure out what's wrong with the missile sound, and you're says, well, Brent's site says it's chip A one, 
but the schematics say no it's down here on z12 trust me brent side is right <laughs> I, I had to go back and actually reconcile it myself and sure enough i got to the point where i was like well let me look at this now brent site says this chip is responsible for that sound i'd pull that chip out that sound would go and away you'd lose that sound so yeah. Uh, mostly what happens on these is a real inexpensive little op op amp fails on them um you can go through the sound section for you know just a few dollars and kind of like if you want to bulletproof everything okay it's not an end-all be-all because there's other supporting chips that actually generate the sound it's the amplifiers that kind of tend to fail but man it you know it's going to get your low-hanging fruit it's going to get probably 75 80 percent of your problems I mean, so is, is that a fair shotgun approach then you know there's one chip it, it is there's one chip that's kind of in the recommended list that's a little pricey it's around 12 bucks or so yeah so uh honestly the ones i fixed um I just I fixed what was broken. Yeah. Okay. You know, I didn't look at like a cap kit or a yeah, shotgun. I fixed understood. what was broken. Understood. In, in all fairness, so yeah. um, let me go ahead and even throw this out here. One of the one of the must have tools if you're going to work on these games or even these board sets is the Braze Multi Space Invaders kit. Now, let, let me ask you. I know that adds money to the you know to the to the whole setup it does but i'm assuming you're going to use that as a diagnostic tool yes okay gotcha so if you're working on space invaders and you want it in your game all right well cool i've got a space invaders kit yeah the the side effect of the kit is is just like you said whitney it's got diagnostics yeah okay okay so it, the the kit is t- is geared towards space invaders so if i throw it on a space invaders board space invaders space invaders deluxe I can uh, test the RAM, and I can also exercise all the sounds right from a test menu. You know, if if I'm troubleshooting like the 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 saucer, like the mothership sound, uh-huh. I don't have to play the game long enough to wait for the mothership to come out to see if it's working or not. I just go in the test menu and, and kick it off. And say start the sound. Right. Yeah. If I'm working on other midway games that run on this hardware of course that stuff's not going to be helpful but the ram test is okay you know these these boards are also known to have ram issues all right all right so um it it it, it will save your backside because the mm. only other option is honestly um i think there's a i'd have to go back and look is there's 12 or 14 there's quite a few rams so your only other option is is kind of try to make an educated guess to narrow it down to a bank of two mm-hmm. and then swap them and then desolder and you know they're, they're all yeah. soldered on yeah you know so if it's a i think the kit at arcade shop is like 59 dollars okay and man it's it's well worth it i, I had a couple okay. i had a couple boards i was putting together when i was doing the games i was doing and I had some RAM issues, put the kit on there, listen to it tone out, change the RAM, working. Yeah. Hey, you know, I didn't nice. have any other issues. So yeah, nice. it, it was well worth it to me. Okay. Uh, I will mention this on the on the kit. When when they are built, the basically you pull the processor out, you stick this in the processor slot, and then you put the processor back on a slot on this board. Uh-huh. 
the kit is made with some real nice quality machine pins. <laughs> yes, it is. And they're probably like really just a little oversized. And so they fit really tight. Yeah, and it's nice and snug. It is nice and snug, yeah. The downside of those is they're brittle. Uh-huh. So like if you go to take the kit out, don't just try to rock it out or just like pull it straight probably out. Probably have to pry. You have yeah. to pry up and then lift. I What I would do is I would take and I would I would walk walk it out ever so slightly uh-huh. because what's going to happen is is if you bend those pins they've got a very little very little bit of room that that they're forgiving mm-hmm. but if you go much past actually much past pretty much straight you've only got a couple degrees movement it, they'll break right off when you go to straighten them. They'll snap right off. Yeah, I, I had that happen to me, and I had to replace a set of headers. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, and the kit wasn't made necessarily to be swapped around a million times. It's not. A, it's not a knock on the kit. If anything, they put those headers were put on there because they were high quality. Yes. Oh yeah. And you know, it just wasn't designed to be necessarily used as a as swapping a, as around a, as a tool. As a tool, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've got several Braze kits in my games, mostly on the Nintendo, on my Nintendo games, and you're right. They're, they really feel like they're meant to be installed one time. Yeah. In in that one time, it's near, it's a near-perfect mating. But if you did it 10 or 12 or 14 times, chances are you're, you're going to break, you, you're going to do just exactly what you're saying. You're going to break the, the, the header pins on it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, if you're going to use this more like a tool or you've got it installed and you're going to say, hey, oh, I got my Seawolf game. Yeah. Watch me be remembering that incorrectly. Seawolf doesn't use hardware. You got your Seawolf game, and you're going to say, "Oh man, I'm I'm having RAM problems. I feel like it. Which RAM is it?" And oh, I'll go pull the kit out of the Space Invaders and stick it in. Listen to the tones. Be careful. Yeah. Take your time. Don't get in a hurry. Yeah. Gotcha. So, a um, few other things, man, to kind of kind of look for is uh, the power supply. The power supply in these games, and this is this is true from what I can glean online of the whole series of games. They use the same or very similar linear power supply. Mm-hmm. It isn't just a straight up power supply, and that it creates the voltages voltages that you need, and then it runs on down the road, and everybody's happy. It was designed under the assumption that each of the voltages it produces, twelve, five, and minus five, are going to come up at, at at slightly different rates and that might not make the logic on the game board happy so there's actually a reset circuit built into the the power supply and it'll happen so fast as a human we don't realize it but what happens is is once the the reset circuit resets the game board within microseconds um of of the whole supply coming on but it resets it long enough down the road of the boot process that your power supply has all the rails up to the right voltages. So this compensates for the ramp up time that the power supply needs in order to bring the voltages up in online. Correct. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. So like okay. if you're minus five, if your plus five is a little slow, yeah. the game board might lock up. Yeah. I see. Well, this reset circuit, you know, uh, two or three microseconds down the road, whatever it is, boom, it resets the game board. It's a human. We never see it. Yeah. Game runs, works just fine. <laughs> Control it, delete, go again. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, you know, the lesson learned here is is don't just try to splice a switcher in. Uh, I mean, a lot of times it'll work, but if you get a cantankerous game board, it you know, and the switcher isn't going to come up necessarily all the rails at the same time. Yeah. You, you every third time you turn it on, the game might be locked up, and I you see. might have to decide. You know, literally, that's the answer online. If you've got if you've got an odd acting game, cycle it a couple times, and she'll come up. 
So, I mean, wow. you can do it, but it's a pain. If yeah. you got the power supply there, Bob sells the kit to rebuild it. Actually, there's it's a it's a handful of capacitors. There's not a lot to it. They're easy to rebuild. There's actually a link off Brent's site over to I think it's Electron Forge, where it shows yeah, you. I, I saw that. Yes. There okay. Is. Yeah. Cool. Where it shows you the test points. Okay. Probe here. There's three pots. This pot does five. This one does minus five. They're not labeled. So whenever I was doing mine, I just looked at the picture, took a sharpie, I labeled mine, and then slid it back in the game. And then for you know, if I have to look in it in six months, it's labeled. I don't yeah. have to worry about it. Gotcha. Arcade shop, if you don't have a power supply, uh, here's a shout out for Arcade Shop. They actually sell a Midway 8080 power supply kit. Right now, it's running 39 bucks. It is a switcher switching power supply, and it's got a little add-on satellite board that sets between the power supply uh, lugs and um, the game and the game harness that provides that reset circuit for you. Oh, I see. And it's completely plug and play. You take the harness that would plug into the linear supply, and they've got the mating connector right there on that little satellite board. Plug it in, and you know it acts emulates whatever you want to say the factory power supply and you know that's not just a space invaders thing if you've got any of these games that run on that l board type hardware ideally you know Hmm. you always say should because you never know 100 percent. ideally it should work Mm -hmm. you should be good to go so the only thing i'll caution with on that and i had to chase this down is make sure when you splice in a power supply like if you're doing the arcade shop kit you don't just splice it straight into like the 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 mains coming right into the back of the cabinet. Find uh, a set, find the wiring in the cabinet that will actually turn off with the switch, because I've heard stories of, and I've had games where someone's put a switcher in it, but it it's before or not act controlled by the switch, and they'll turn the game off, quote unquote. Monitor goes off. Power supply still on. Game boards running twenty four seven, three sixty five. <laughs> so yeah, yeah pay I a see. little bit of I attention. See. Now let me ask you: Did you wind up using one of these arcade shop uh, power supply kits in any of the Space Invaders that you worked on? I did. You um, did. Okay. I did the uh, the the game. The two that I took to Little Arcade Expo, the two deluxes. Uh huh. Um, it was apparent that one was going to be a little bit nicer than the other, and uh, um, so. I've mentioned it before. I've kind of got an, <clears throat> pardon me. I've kind of got an affinity for the original supplies. Yeah. So what I ended up doing was uh, um, I rebuilt all the supplies that I had, and uh, um, I ended up putting putting one of the arcade shop kits in one of the games I sold, and I decided to put it in the nicer game. Um, and I actually bought two supplies. I was going to put one of the supplies in my personal game. Okay. And Honestly, it was kind of a little bit of an experiment. I know it was at forty bucks each. It was a little bit of an expensive experiment. I wanted to see what they were like. It looks like a good kit, though. I mean, I, I looked it up while you were, you know, while you were talking about I, it. I really him and hauled around about it. About well, should I just buy one and I want to see what it's like? And um, I, I should I put it in my game? And you know, I've got these supplies, and you know, it really, honestly, Whitney. At the end of the day, I was having so much trouble rounding up hardware. 
And, and I didn't think I would because, I mean, there's, they made a blue million Space Invaders. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I know you had talked to me about this just when, you know, you and I would, you know, text or whatever, talk between, you know, between shows and everything, mm-hmm. and you had expressed the, just the, some frustration it was, just even being able to find what you needed. I, I, it, was, it was difficult. I was shocked. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I really thought, man, do I, should I get one of these? Should I get two of these? Should I do this? I've got these supplies. And I was at the point where I wasn't going to rely on the supplies I had being workable. Yeah. And I was getting down to the wire. So I just went ahead. I had ordered brace kits. I sold, I bought three brace kits, one for my game and both of the games that I sold, I put brace kits in okay. for, you know, cause that's, I mean, that's a cool thing to have oh, for yeah, somebody yeah. else. I mean, I would want it if I wanted a space invader. Yeah. So both the, so I bought three brace kits and I went ahead and I said, at that point I was just, I, just in case I went yeah. ahead and bought two supplies Yeah. and I ended up liking the one so much. Uh, I put one of the rebuilt linears in the other game I sold and I kept the arcade shop second kit for my game i see and i just i hadn't put it in the game was working we've talked about it i wanted it out of the shop yeah so it's still sitting in there in a box but (laughs) yeah if if you don't have enough if you don't have the supply if it's damaged if you don't feel like messing with it uh they're not very hard to rebuild but like i said man arcade shop looks like they've got a good solution for it so a couple of other things to mention if you're working on these games the edge connector that that where the harness actually connects to the board set it's long since obsolete. It's got some weird little pins in it. Uh, I had a couple of mine just from plugging and unplugging and kind of bending it back out of the way where the the wires broke kind of right there at the crimp. Okay. You know, so I had to work through that. Just go ahead and replace it. Just get you, get you a connector of the correct pin count from Bob or Mauser or whoever and replace it. One thing to note if you do that, this little factory connector whoever made it it was a snug fit your your connectors like you'll get from bob roberts or mauser or whatever they'll have a little space to the either side of the last pin so ideally when you were to put that on like a a card when you were to put that on like a pcb just outside of the last finger the last contact you'd have a little bit of dead space, like mm-hmm. a little bit of just the PCB material. Okay. The Space Invaders isn't like that. So you end up with a gap, and you just the, – the new connector is worth it because you've got modern pins or you solder onto the, on the eyelets, and you've got new fingers in there so it's nice and tight. But you're going to have a gap most likely on the top and the bottom, so you just got to pay attention when you align it, I you see. know, plug I it see. in. Uh it's definitely worth doing. It's a little, you know, I even wrote a little note on mine. So six months down the road, a year down the road, if I have to take mine out, I got a little hang tag in there, like a little, little, uh, card or whatever. So that I know, I remember, Oh yeah, I got to line her up. You know, I got to yeah. look at it and solder on there. But yeah. It, yeah, if you've got one of these games and it starts breaking the pins or the wires come out, you, you can't get the parts. And if you could, I don't know if I'd want to try to mess with them. <laughs> so just replace the thing. It's a couple bucks and it, it, it's well worth it. The um, the cards themselves, there's a long edge connector like you would see on like a wire harness, but it's soldered onto the motherboard. And so that's the female side. The daughter card has the male side and they slide together and mate. 
you wonder why, and I'm sure these decisions like this were made in for good reason, but I'm sure that now we look at this stuff 30 years, 30 years later and you go, why was it? I, I don't way? know. I mean, I would have thought maybe, maybe the engineer that designed it said, well, I've got two options. I can either, I can have them physically mate like in an edge connector type of a situation. Yeah. Or I can do like a ribbon cable. And maybe it was just cheaper to do it this way back I, in the know, day. And I'm sure it was. I mean, even with me, you know, right now, like I was saying a few minutes, a few minutes back in the show, I was reading, uh, you know, Atari Business is Fun. There was all, most everything was driven around cost control yep. and stipulation for making sure that they can make payroll. And I, I get that. I do. I get that. But it's it's interesting to see the um, I guess the compromises that are done in order to keep it under that target cost. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my yeah. bet is that's probably yeah. what it was. It was yep. it was just as easy to go get a connector that you could solder. <laughs> it, you know, yes. it literally, if you look at it, it looks like a JAMA connector, but longer. Okay. You know, it, it literally looks like an edge connector that you have all your wires hanging from, except they've got... I caught a fish this big. Yeah, it was Brent. huge. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Except it's got little solder. It's it's <laughs> Instead of having like either a ring that you'd solder a wire to or it's open where you could crimp a pin on a wire inside it and that opening and it snaps in, it has solder pins off the back of it I, and I it see. fit into the into, into a, you know, a set of openings in, in, the, in the game board. Yeah. You can't... They're, they're a pain. I don't even know if you can get them, but I would... You know, if you've got one apart, if you've got... I noticed that I the ones I was working on I get like a little jump in the video or something. I'd separate the boards. I'd take some contact cleaner. I'd spray down in that connector and get it good and clean. Take an eraser and I'd hit the mating side that's on the daughter card. Just I mean just a little a little cleanup and you know a lot of those little abnormalities just went away. Hmm. You know it's just it's it's like anything else. Check your connections and a lot of times you'll work on these things and plug it in, take it apart, plug. You don't think about it, but man, they're I mean, these things were built in the late seventies. They're they're not they're they're old and they're dirty. Time to clean them up a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Lots of lots of smoke residue. Yeah. Lots of bar residue and everything. Just it just creates gum. Whether whether there was ever any there to begin with or not. So and then the final thing, and this is pretty much Space Invaders spe- specific, and I, I'm saying that, but yet I'm <laughs> correcting myself. Uh, no, it, there there are other games with white black. Yeah, I, yeah. as soon as I said that, yeah. it, because the the gun the gun game I mentioned that's uh-huh. based on this hardware I've got in the garage, yeah, it's got the same same deal. Yeah, Asteroids Deluxe used one too. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. that's that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So what I'm talking about is is in the back of the Space Invaders cab, and Space Invaders Deluxe is like this. There's a card, a board, if you will, that goes in the back. It's like the space scene, and it's black light reactive. Okay, it'll it'll glow under a black light. And right in front of that card is like a half moon. And it's like, it's made of plastic, almost like a pinball plastic, but, you know, big. So nestled between those is in the back of the cab, uh, down below the moon, there's, there's a black light bulb. Okay. Trust me, if the, if the lamp works, I'd still replace it because, you know, they wear out, they start to dim. You, you drop, those things are still cheap. You drop a couple dollar new black light tube in there, and it will make that 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 background artwork just pop. It'll make the moon pop, and you know the whole thing is done through a mirror. So you've got actually got when you look into a Space Invaders, and the same thing with like this gun game I've got out here. The monitor is in the bottom of the cab, firing straight up visually. 
and as you look in the front of the cab, you're actually looking at a mirror at about a 40, 45 degree slant. Yeah. So you're okay. looking at the monitor reflected in the mirror. It's a half silvered mirror, so you can sort of see through it. Behind that is this moon and this background with the space scene on it, illuminate it with the black light. Okay. Gotcha. So, yeah, drop a drop a new black light in there. It's worth it. It's a black light white. Okay. Now this is important. Okay. And a lot of games use black light whites. Some use black light blues. Some use both. Like Tron uses both. Uh-huh. So here's the difference. The black light blue is what we all tend to think of as a black light. Yeah, it's it's what you'd see hanging. It's what you'd see illuminating an arcade. Yeah. Yeah. It, when you look at it, the tube looks like uh, it's like a deep violet, deep, deep blue bluish, or almost bluish purple black. Or almost, yeah, bluish yeah. purple black. There yeah. you go. Yeah. That's actually a filter that's on the inside of the inside of the tube. A black light or black light white looks like a regular fluorescent white tube. Um, it doesn't have that filter. Okay. Okay. So as I understand it, you get a little bit more UV radiation out of the the black light the the white one the white one okay. okay all right and ideally you shouldn't you shouldn't use those in applications that you where you can directly see the tube i see so like if you're if you're lighting something indirectly uh-huh. i know like a lot of times if you're at a bowling alley and this is kind of the modern take on bowling alleys where you'll look down the lane and they'll have like things that'll glow like if they do the glow bowls and all that yeah those are lit with black lights uh-huh. or slash black light whites because you're not indirectly able to see the see the lamp and, and i've done that my eyes are a little sensitive probably from all the years of wearing contacts but if i if i look down the back of a cab and i look at a, at a lit black light white bulb it'll start to irritate my eyes pretty quick yeah okay the black light blues like you said whitney that's that violet purplish blue they they've got that coating and they're more suitable for situations like in an open like in my game room i've got black lights they're black light blues somebody could look right up to them and it's not as harsh on the eye yeah i mean i've got the same typical black light you know bulbs in in my game room as well my only question is i don't know if you have an answer for this and it's probably you know something to to do a little bit of research on but if you look at the black light white bulbs for any length of time i mean does it hurt your vision i mean does it is there permanent damage now that i I don't know okay Uh, when i was i went through this quite a bit when i was researching the game room because i was like what what do i get what my understanding is is that it can okay because that filter filters out some of that uv that's a little bit more dangerous for the human eye okay if not all of it uh don't i mean don't hold me to that well no you know, the good thing about it, it has to do with wavelengths of the light and all that kind no, of fun I stuff i understand i just didn't realize that there were that there was uh, a difference from a health perspective on the two different types of black light bulbs i i'm you know known about the differences of them from you know i guess an application standpoint but uh, it's good because this has given me something to think about so yeah. I, i'll definitely consider this you know the next time uh, ouch <laughs> the next time that i've you know got my asteroids to you know asteroids deluxe open up or something like that so yeah Yeah. so you know if you're doing a game room and you're putting up you know four foot bulbs you you don't want 
you know, you want the BLBs. They're labeled BLB, black, light, blues. That's yeah. what you want, the ones that have that violet, purplish, uh, deep, deep, dark, yeah. blue, black look to them. You don't want, you don't want one that looks like a standard fluorescent tube. Gotcha, so, gotcha. But, you know, but in this situation, you use a st- you use a black light white, and sometimes they're labeled just BL for black light. That's what you use in these in the backs of these games. Okay, and then Tron, like I said, Tron's kind of funny because it's got a mix. It depends on where the bulb is. It does. You're right. And I, and I think it all goes back to can like I think the the artwork that's under the control panel that lights up the main part of that artwork is actually clear. Theoretically, a little kid could walk up there and stare right up into it. You know, mm-hmm. it's right. It's it's possible to direct view it. So I think those pieces are black light blues, BLBs, and then other portions of the game like the where you light up the MCP behind the monitor uh-huh. and all that. Yeah. I think that's a black light okay. slash BL. Those are labeled BL. Yeah. black light white yeah okay so anyway yeah. yes no th- no i mean that's that's good to know i mean I, I learned something on this because i didn't realize that i didn't realize that, that there would there was actually you know um something to consider from from you know viewing doing direct viewing on mm-hmm. those bulbs so yeah no it's cool and you know and finally the the you're, lamps you're all about the psa brent that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> protect your eyes <laughs> and finally at least on the space invaders you know they use a uh a, a, an actual little lamp uh, like a bayonet based lamp that goes uh at the top of the behind the header you know the yeah. header on there's not really a header on it it's like it's almost like a black, back glass on a pinball it's like an all-in-one type thing the opening for the viewing area and then the top of it is has the artwork that's the header of the game yeah there's not a a, a, a separate discrete marquee the 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 bulbs themselves and they're on brent's site it the part number is like an 18 something or other they they seem to be very very difficult to find mm. what i did is i had some 53s which are the same base they're slightly smaller bulb they're uh, a little lower watt a little less heat and in my game room that's fine yeah and that, that i put in they're easier to come by i uh, i had some in my box of bulbs that, for pinball machines i yeah. don't even know where i got them yeah um, I'd put I put 53s in mine. Same hmm. voltage, a little less, likes a little less wattage. So you know, if you got a Space Invaders out there and you're trying to hunt those bulbs down, just go get you a box of 53s for a couple bucks and forget it. Cool, cool enough. So, no, good stuff, man. I, I mean, like I say, it's it's a pretty decent whirlwind tour through through a Space Invaders. It sounds <laughs> sounds like you were, well, you were I've in, worked you on were a in few. it to win it, man. I've worked on a few. <laughs> Well, Brent, one of the things that uh, that I want to cover, just kind of switching gears here just a little bit uh, before we get into you know some of the feedback and everything, is uh, talk about some of the the artwork and the part, the reproduction parts that have come out just within the past couple of months. And dude, I, going through this list, it's been two months, it's, man. It's massive. And one of the things that just continually amazes me about this about the hobby is. And I know we've said this a few times before, but it's it is so neat to see the people that are manufacturing new and innovative products for this hobby. Uh, you know, thirty years after these games were were made, it, it just it does it just never it never ceases to impress me. So, one thing that I that I wanted to cover, and Brent, I I didn't know if you had a tapper or not. I, I look, do not. Okay, looking through the game room, I I do not ever recall seeing one, but. 
But uh, is it a game that you've ever looked for or, or thought about getting at any point? I thought about getting one. Okay. You know, I, I've not actively looked, but if one made its way past my, uh, yeah, I'd be interested. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You know, some games, games run hot and cold. You know, and Tapper seems right now to have enjoyed a little bit of a resurgence from a, a price perspective. I know from when I got my Tapper to what I see them go for right now, and I'll just use Clav as an example, the price on them has accelerated. Uh, I mean, it, it's gone. It, it, the asking price for them has gone up significantly and on a curve that seems that it has accelerated far faster than I thought that I would see a Tapper go up at. So, I mean, they have gone from a $500 game to a, let's say, you know, a seven to $800 game on up to a $1,200 game oh, wow. for really nice examples in what I consider to be a relatively short amount of time. So the reason I bring Tapper up and want to bring this kind of back around full circle is that one of the hardest pieces to source for Tapper has been the the, the monitor bezel because it's a, it's a mirrored glass bezel, okay, in in such that it requires a certain type of ink, requires the you know the bezel, of course, again to to be mirrored as well, and these are now uh, going to be reproduced by Phoenix Arcade and they're going to be offered up for sale. I mean, what is this brand? This is we're recording on what 20 ish of May. So uh, looking at the cloth thread, they should be available. I, what I'm thinking within the next couple of weeks or so. Now these things are going to go for $150 plus $30 shipping. So this is not a tri- this is not a trivial uh, a trivial purchase. Okay, the, I know uh, I, I've seen it done for other things. The mirroring, yes, is a process. Yes, and the then, inks and stuff required for that is yeah. And then in this case, I mean, it's not like you're mirroring the entire piece. You're mirroring basically mirroring yeah <laughs> you're mirroring areas outside of the viewing area that's exactly the right center, yeah so. that, to, to create that bar look and everything like that so yeah so it, it's it's neat that a project like this is taken on uh phoenix darren at phoenix arcade is doing that but uh like i say if you're in the market for that you just you've got to be understanding of the, what it takes to produce it and the fact that you're probably uh, and i know i say this so many times brent and i i even feel like i sound like a little bit like a broken record when i say this it's like it's hard to say how long these will be available and if they'll ever be run again. I don't know. I kind of doubt it. Uh, much like uh, we've know. talked about this, Whitney. I mean, <laughs> I the parts that we've bought for games that we don't own. To, that's that's how I've got my burger time bezel. Yes. You know? Yes. Exactly. But the thing about it is. If you ever think you might need it, then you need to plan for it because once it's gone, typically it's gone. Okay. Now moving on a little bit for some uh, for some parts that fall outside of the artwork uh, artwork aspect of the hobby, uh, there are a couple parts though that are enjoying a second run, and I'll I'll get to the I, I'm going to talk about the first one here right now, and then get to the second one more towards the end of the list. So Brent, we had talked about um, the Williams ROM to IDE adapters. Uh, I don't know maybe four five six episodes ago i i, I don't know but I'd, I'd have to go through and search our one note here to to find it and i didn't do that before we started recording but there is a cloth uh, seller and i man i want to say it's 
Suchi. Uh, it's S-C-U-C-C-I. That's how I've always thought Th- of that's, it. That's how I say it in my head, okay? Suchi. But um, this, uh, this, this guy on Clob uh, sells these for $17 shipped, and they are, I mean, they're just one of the nicest little tool parts to get to eliminate probably what are some of the most common failures uh, at, the, at the ROM connectors on the, on the ROM boards on, on your Williams PCB set. So, um, you know, it essentially turns your, your ROM adapter into a standardized computer slash IDE adapter on both sides. Okay, so um, grab these if you can. He's doing a doing a second run in May. I know that uh, on the on the cloth thread he was going to do fifty, uh, about fifty total adapters. They'll go fast. I know that. Hey, you know what's out there on that ROM board? What's that, buddy? A Pia. That, that, that it would be. Yeah, that, I mean that's true. Yeah. Because because it, it would have to be in order to do what it does. Yep. There's, yeah. Yeah, so call him back to Mr. Chuck Pedal in the amp hour. We'll give we'll give the the podcaster throwback there. <laughs> so um, this is interesting, Brent, because uh, this is a part that I well these next two parts uh, that I'm going to talk about are some things that I never thought I would that I would see rerun again. So the first one is uh, from a club member Millstar Milestar uh, Milestar. I, I think that's that's probably yeah, right I think it's Milestar. It. It's yeah. Milestar. He is running a batch of um, the yoke springs for the Atari Star Wars controller, the yoke controller on on that game. These are supposedly exact specs made in the USA. Uh, Thirty six bucks for a set of four springs that'll get you the two for the up down motion and two for the left right motion. So expect you know forty bucks shipped. You know Brent. <laughs> the last time I saw Star Wars parts reproduced, it was it was under RAM controls, yes. and we all know yeah. exactly what happened there. So the sheer fact that Star Wars parts are being reproduced, I am uh, incented to buy a set of these. I do I do have a Star Wars. Uh, my yoke is uh, <laughs> my yoke is pretty sloppy, and I know that this would help with that. Okay, this is another one of those. I have all the parts. Yep. I. I mean, I have all the parts to build a Star Wars. A Star Wars. All right, and get her uh, done, Brent. Get her done. Why, are, Brent? Why except are for yokes, Why are you sitting here talking on the podcast? You got to be building a Star Wars. You know. <laughs> good. Po- good. Well, <laughs> your point well I, taken. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got to keep this truck rolling. Yeah, that so, we do. That so we, we do. roll into events. The Broken Token Boys get the VIP treatment, which we so you know well deserve. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> so you've got all the <laughs> hold parts. It to, hold it together, Whitney. Yeah, hold it together. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was just actually looking at the thread. Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing. I, I doubt you're going to see these. <laughs> I doubt yeah. you're going to see these again. And because all of the, I mean, all of the RAM parts that were reproduced, all, all the parts that RAM reproduced seem to be of very high quality, near as I can tell, and they seem to be. Very specialized parts that tended to uh, have a high demand placed on them, and then once RAM disappeared, a lot of these really, really hard to find parts disappeared with RAM, unless somebody bought out, you know, the overstock or bought out the remaining stock. It, kind of like what Arcade Shop did with the Major Havoc roller. Are you controls. talking? I'm, I'm PMing this guy on these springs. Yeah, <laughs> you okay. Sh- you should because I've already got my PM in. Okay, so yeah, so um, like I say, uh, you probably want to go ahead and get you a set of those while uh, while the getting is good. Now, here's the thing: if you have a 720 or you have a dedicated Major Havoc. Um, uh, 
Milestar, Milestar <laughs> I almost said it wrong again. Milestar is also running um, a batch of the base moldings. And so I know 720s are hard to come by. Major Havocs are even harder to come by. But they're, again, uh, a very, very important part for uh, for making your game look good. That's going to be 45 shipped for uh, for an 8-foot piece for that. So he says it's being reproduced from an original Atari piece, and I'm sure that it will be very, very good. So um, so with that, you know, that's that's two very hard-to-come-by parts. Now, that I'm, are I need to go back and look at that. What is that? It's From what I understand, it's the molding that goes across the base of the cabinet. Okay. okay? Uh, and, of course, not just any molding is going to do. If you're if you're going to get it, you know reproduction perfect or I guess original, you know comparison to original perfect. So um, I guess I'm gonna have to go look at a picture one because I'm not familiar with yeah, it. Yeah, so chances are. Um, at least according to him, he does one batch of this and that's that. Once it's done, it's done. So I don't have a 720 or a major or a dedicated major havoc. I would I'd love to have a 720. I think it's a really really fun game to play. Um, but there, I you know I, I I don't have a need for it. But I'm sure that for anybody uh, out there listening, uh, you know that does have those two games, just be aware that that's a very hard part to find that is going to become available. Um, Brent, the next couple of items that I want to talk about are from uh, Mark Spaeth, okay? And as anybody uh, who's been around club, uh, in the hobby knows for any, has been around for any length of time knows what some of the work that Mark does. I mean, he's responsible for reproducing some very hard-to-find par- electronic, electronics parts. He does a lot of like adapter adapter boards and things like that. Just you know, a very you know very, very gifted individual who who you know fortunately makes a lot of good parts available for the for the hobby. So he is doing a run of reproduction dragons dragons layer scoreboards and the enunciator boards for Space Ace. And I've got a picture. Uh, I've got a picture that I can post in the in the blog post of this. Of course, you, if you go to the cloth thread, we'll have the link there as well. You know, you'll instantly uh, understand what these are once you take a look at the boards. But you know, if you've got a, a Dragon's Lair or a Space Ace, uh, you know, and I have neither of those, so I don't really, I don't really know a lot of the repair history on those machines and what fails versus what does not. But uh, I will say this: uh, once he made the announcement, it seems like uh, the interest level was pretty high. On those well so. i would think that that would be a uh a first part pulled when the game was being converted <laughs> yes, so like if, you, if you're rebuilding one you'd probably need it yeah and, and i'm i'm yeah. not gonna i i'm just glancing through the thread now and it, it's a couple pages i'm not gonna try to read it all but at one point in time mark had made these boards and they were like i can't recall if it was a one board does both or if it was a one board that was like for the game and a one board that was for use with Daphne. Okay. The the laser game emulator. Yeah. Uh-huh. The Daphne board had like a little USB input in it so that you could create take you can like make a Daphne cabinet and then have a USB if memory serves interface to your PC and it and then a little piece of software that would drive that would board. drive it. Yeah, and I think so, I think I've read through the thread, and I think he even makes a mention of that. Okay, at some point inside the thread, as so, in this doesn't do it, or it does, or you don't remember as, as it does not. Okay, as right. this one does not. This is a straight up, probably straight up replacement. Yeah, it's, then it's, for. A, it's straight up replacement. But he does speak to those to those 
boards that have the USB header on them. And I, I think that's just probably a more limited run than gotcha. what yeah. these would be. Okay. So the next thing, uh, Brent, that, that comes up that Mark is, uh, he's gauging interest on this right now. And realistically, this is a very narrow interest type of item, but because of what it is for the people that, that have the four board stack Donkey Kong and radar scope PCBs, um, this would be of interest to you because what he's, what Mark was trying to do is gauge enough interest in doing a run of the four board to edge connector adapters. And the reason why this matters is this would allow, this would allow you to essentially bench test the four board stacks much, much easier than is currently available, that, that is currently uh, available for, for bench testing. Because like okay? the, two, the two boards have the, the individual little pinned headers. They do, and, and, the, and the edge connector on the boards as well. So you could you could connect either way. Either way. The, the, the two boards stack for like Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr. Um, Donkey Kong 3. Uh, Donkey Kong 3 uses an edge connector. Okay. okay? Right. Popeye uses, uh, I think, an edge connector as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Mario Brothers is... The well, this same. is all Donkey Kong stuff, so I don't care. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the good thing about it, though... Yes, is, I know, I know. Yeah, is, the the four-board stack is only the pinned connectors. Only the pinned connectors, and it uses more of the pinned connectors yeah, this than, looks, the, than the two-board stacks. This thing do. looks like an octopus, man. Oh, man. Yeah, you're looking at the same picture as I yeah. am right now, and it is, it's, it's a it's a it's literally a handful of spaghetti wires is is what you typically have on a four board stack this will allow you to take that and then just switch completely over to an edge connector and your life gets a hundred times easier once you do that okay so i'm definitely going to be in for this uh i i only have a four board stack for uh for donkey kong that came in my in my red cabinet and uh even though that sits in a box on a shelf this this is just one of those types of things that you you would only use this in very isolated scenarios but when you do use it it's a lifesaver you know it's it's such a step saver is compared to um is, com- is compared to how the board would normally make you work with it so this is that. one of those things like the earlier conversation about the tato boards this must have made sense from a cost perspective back in the day back to in the day this. yeah exactly but over time they they, they found a way to do it better yes definitely and gave it, us the two in the in the foreboard stacks are notorious for being troublesome from from a connector from a connectivity standpoint because all the boards are interconnected mm-hmm. with each other and the two board stack literally well i mean mathematically and literally cuts it consolidates everything down makes it so much easier uh but you know uh, gameplay wise it you know, the four the, bo- the forward stack gets it the done four too. boards were used in cocktails cocktails and the red cabinets right in the, in the red cabinets for radar scope and the early donkey kong so, that so is if you've got a cocktail you should have a foreboard. That is a good point. Yes, you, you would have a foreboard stack, and you know this would even be much more applicable. You know, in that in that scenario. I mean, I'm glad you said that. See, I know a little bit glossed. about. I know a little bit about Donkey uh, Kong. You, you a sharp boy, I'm telling you. Yeah. So, it, yeah, I completely glossed over that. So, but uh, yeah, really, really neat product. Um, hopefully, Mark will get enough interest to get that done. Now, here's the next thing, Brent, that I th- that I just think is just so so interesting. <laughs> now, you can run up some serious cash in getting these. Okay, but um, Clove member Des Baz, or he call, he goes by Des uh, in almost all the threads, but you know, full name is Des Baz, D E Z B A Z. Des is in Australia, 
but Dez is the master of all things um, Wells Gardner and Amplifone vector monitor related. This guy has literally reproduced every single board and most, if not all, every major component like the mystery can so i was gonna say yeah wasn't he doing the mystery can and all yeah yeah and he got the mystery can to work you know and so in everything else related to the 6100 and the amplifones at one time or another des has largely uh if not completely reproduced all of the pcbs and all of the specialized components to essentially allow you to reproduce your own 6100 or your own amplifone given enough skill to do the yoke to do the yoke transference or the or rewinding a brand new yoke from mm-hmm. scratch okay for use on on a different tube not on like a, a factory Rollin tube or something like that you'd see on an amplifone so with all that currently des is rerunning all of his wells gardner 6100 boards this would be deflection high voltage uh, both 12 and 8 pin neck boards, the input protection boards, and so on down the line. Deflection, everything. I, I mentioned deflection earlier. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm sorry about that. But he is rerunning all of those. So um, there's one link, and I'll keep that in the show notes in the blog post for the for the episode where you can go to that thread, and then it jumps off to every other thread. Okay, now. Here's the thing. Dez has been doing this for a while, okay? But what you have to keep in mind, though, is he does them in batches. So if you're not, if you miss a particular run, you may be waiting another 8, 9, 10 months, 12 months, maybe even a year before the next run happens. And even then, he has to get up to a certain level to make it economically viable for him to do the boards. Okay, so just keep that in mind. But if you, if you're, if you're, you know, if you've got a lot of vector games, um, or if you're trying to put together an amplifone or something like that for, you know, like Brent, like for us, for a major havoc build, you know, because that would be desire, that would be more correct than a sixty-one hundred would be per se. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, that Dez, Dez's parts matter. All right, so I, I just want to bring that up to everybody because uh, who doesn't love a vector? And you know, these are great parts to help keep them uh, up and running and keep them going. Does anybody offer a parts kit? I mean, I know there's a few things like the mystery can, which is not like he can buy, but has anyone put together a parts kit so you can just? You don't have to do all the research and say this subs to this, this subs to that. No, not really. Now, what I will say though is, when I say not really, I'm also going to say kind of yes. <laughs> well, that's that's that's, 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 that's a show title. Yeah, like, <laughs> not really, but kind of yes. Not really, but kind of yes. The reason I say that though, Brent, is because inside Dez's threads, and admittedly, the threads, um, Dez does a good job in reining the threads in, but the discussion almost always branches out to all of these different little satellite topics around building a 6100, repairing a 6100, or an amplifone. So you literally have to you have to chase his threads down. Okay. That being said, within his threads, you will find links to bill of materials. Okay, so okay. that you can go out to Mauser or or you know or MCM or someplace like that and get and order in his bill of materials that uh, that he has contributed to as well as other Clove members have contributed to, and you can get a BOM to completely build out his boards. Okay, so so let's say that you order a set of his boards, you order a mystery can, you order a couple of little you know bits and bits and bytes of of the stuff that he has on his site. And then you go and get the bill of material, and then you order it all in from Mauser. And yes, strewn across your table, 
is the functional equivalent of a working 6100. And a little bit of solder. A little bit of solder, a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah, and probably some curse words as yeah. well. You oh, know? Yeah. yeah. I'm eyeing the deflection board. So there, okay. you, there you go, buddy. So, like I say, not meaning to spend your money, but and so the big thing about it though man is that this is just highly specialized stuff and where do you where do you find this if you don't find it here that's the big question okay so uh i mean here's the thing brent how many parted out vector monitors do you find out in the wild not a lot okay not many okay all right i rest rest my case all right so that's that's kind of where where it sits um we talked about mark uh just a few seconds ago a few minutes ago this is cool. He is rerunning uh, a, a group or a batch of replacement Williams widget boards. Okay. Uh, we're circling that back around too, aren't exactly. we? Exactly. Yep. Yes. Yes. I bet there's a 6821P sitting right I, in the middle. Of one well, of them. I'm looking at the picture and it, there, there it is sitting right there. So it's, uh, yeah, on the board and ready to roll. So this is cool. Um, in this, for the simple fact that this will make your Williams games, and he lists this as Joust, Stargate, Robotron, and Bubbles. He is also going to be doing a, or is potentially, or is considering doing uh, one for Defender as well. Uh, apparently, it uses a different, uh, a different um, interface board. So, uh, but nonetheless, uh, we're talking Joust, Stargate, Robotron, and Bubbles. Uh, he has got these listed for thirty-five dollars, and he listed he states this as won't stop working due to intermittent connections resetting the 6821 you'll never have to worry about a dead 6821 again i I don't think i would assemble that in 35 dollars worth of parts i mean it's a very high quality looking 35 dollar uh part i mean you've got one two three four five you got six ic's you've got the ribbon cable with the crimp on it all the resistors all the headers and all the headers and everything yeah yeah, so it's it's a very high quality, very nice looking product for thirty five dollars. Um, that being said, I've not done a tremendous amount of work on Williams boards at this point in time, but I can look at this and say, you know, something. If you've got a Joust or a Robotron or you know Bubbles or Stargate or even a Defender, however that goes. Um, you know, if you've run into this problem, then thirty-five dollars is not a high price to pay for a, for solving a lot of frustration and or, or for preventing a lot of future frustration. That's that's the better way for me <laughs> to say that. Yeah. Well, I know I fought with those widget boards from time to time. A lot of time, and it's the connectors. I was yeah. gonna say a lot of time, it's the connectors. Well, bingo. You know? I mean, and, yeah. and so he he is, you know, he's scratching that itch, so to speak. So, hey, dude, the next one though, the next one up is something that I just found a couple of days ago, and I thought this was the neatest, neatest thing, and I wanted to throw this in here in our discussion because I saw that you were going to be talking about Space Invaders, and we were going to be talking a little bit about Major Havoc as well. But um, there, and these things only, and these only cost five dollars, Brent. That's the beauty of this. <laughs> But these, this is what this is. Is this is a Tempest to Major Havoc conversion PCB? It's a stabilizer kit, and so what it does is it's a three, three quantity three three D printed stabilizer uh, parts made out of plastic, and it's uh, a left and a right stabilizer, and then a retaining bracket stabilizer. And what this literally does is it helps to reinforce the PCBs that meet at an L. Okay, now if you go into the thread on Clav, you'll see that uh, people say, "Yay, major havoc, awesome!" 
What about Space Invaders? Do you got anything that does Space Invaders boards? Because <laughs> those, so, those silly <laughs> little angled uh, aluminum yeah. things are always getting lost. Exactly. So the um, the the gentleman that is running these has not uh, has not affirmed for Space Invaders, but I don't think that it's going to be a stretch to get Space Invaders done. So just a heads up, you know, it's um it's it's a very very nice and very ingenious little part for five bucks. This is this site is arcade. Cadeplastics.com, and yes. I've never been here. But one of the things I see Me he makes—I've heard of this. And one thing I'm looking at this thing—the any coin mech. Yeah, dude. Yeah, did you see that? That thing looks so neat. Yeah, I've heard of these, and basically what it is is it's—it's a—it will accept any coin. Let's see here. It takes anything from a dot nine eighty four token down to a dime. Yes, and you know, like in my game room, I, I run quarters uh, i provide the yep, quarters me, me i mean it's quote unquote free it's not like a business type thing but i do run quarters uh it's easier than putting free play buttons on everything yeah. free play hacks or relying on games with free play i still get all the attract screens and dude it's fun to drop a quarter it's it's part of the it's part of the it's part of the visceral you know feel of it you know yeah. now i thought about doing tokens it's 20 dollar word right yes there, there you go yeah. visceral yeah i thought about doing tokens but i didn't have token mechs and i, did, I was like i could go through and convert all these and here's the any mech yeah you know it's it's, it's neat man it's neat it's so like yeah. 750 a mech well i'll tell you we probably ought to pull that and just stick it in the blog post even yep. though I, I wasn't I, I didn't have it here for this episode but yeah i saw it and it's like man where do i stop i mean there's just so, there's so much stuff to put in but um Real quick, just to uh, just to kind of put a put a bow on this. Mm-hmm. Um, while we're talking about Major Havoc and Brent, I know you and I had talked. To, I know that you and I had talked about the major the reproduction roller controllers that we bought uh, many many months ago mm-hmm. that were done from Ram Controls, where Arcade Shop bought out the stock and then was selling those. Well, forum uh, club member Take Man, who if uh, you know if if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you'll realize we've talked about Take Man's work uh, time and time again. He is quote the Clav Metal Man, you know, and so he gets all of the metal reproductions as far as brackets, control panels, so on down the line, um, even to the point where he's reproduced the the metal for entire games like a Cocktail Warlords. Okay, just recently he's wrapped up a run for. Uh, for control panels for cabarets, okay, Atari and and uh, in Valley uh, Midway cabarets. So, just you know, he's just a huge asset <laughs> to the reproduction community because he makes all this stuff happen that just would never happen otherwise. And I just thought this was so interesting. He's going to take on reproducing the Major Havoc roller controller. Yeah, that is kind of interesting because that's <laughs> that's isn't, isn't that wild? That's a little outs. I mean, not to say that he can't do it. Oh, I don't. No, I don't no, know. It's, that's outside of his prior wheelhouse that's outside of his doing prior all the normal wheelhouse right. that's exactly right because you're talking about having to do you know a polyurethane roller looks like yes. he's going to custom cast a polyurethane roller there's um, the housing i mean everything yeah there's yeah. some a little bit of electronics in because there's uh um an opto and an opto in yeah, it yeah like an, an opto drive for it yeah yep. exactly so so, so awesome that's yeah. cool I, I don't know if I said awesome yet this episode no, eight times. Go, go ahead awesome. and say it. It's yeah, awesome. Fair enough. Sweet. There we go. Yeah, it's amazing. But uh, <laughs> I it's like something. The, I like the inflection on that. It's amazing. <laughs> but uh, but nonetheless, um, kind of rolls off the tongue. But um, he's doing a roll. Uh, he's he's doing a reproduction run of these roller controllers, and he's going to offer up another run of the conversion control panels for for Tempest. 
to allow the Major Havoc roller controller to to sit inside the Tempest control panel and and essentially look like a factory offering. Okay, just it, it's just really really neat that this even that this product even exists. So we'll have a link to that. I doubt that you're going to see this run time and say, time again. Who would have thought that you would have run a, spe- a specialized controller like that once for a conversion? Game. Yeah, let alone twice. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'm kind of surprised, you know. But I wanted to make sure it looks that like there's a lot of interest. Oh, yeah. there's there's tons of interest. So I, I'm sure that that will I'm sure that will happen. But yeah, Brent. I mean, you know, for the for the couple months that we you know that we've kind of been quote unquote you know kind of. Uh, I guess out of commission, you know, for, you know, for everything else. I mean, a lot has happened, you know, from the reproduction part standpoint. And, and Brent, I'll tell you, just even in the interest of time, I, I, I was calling the list pretty hard on what I would what I would include versus what I would leave out. So uh, I'm sure that next month we're going to have just as much to talk about that's completely different. So yeah, from from a restoration standpoint and parts of, you know, parts and artwork you know standpoint, I mean the past couple of months have been hopping, dude. A lot it's, of stuff's been getting it. a lot yeah. of stuff going on. Yeah. It's just amazing the stuff that's produced, like you said, for games this yeah, old. So. It is. It is. Well, Whitney, how about we uh, we move on and we transition into talking about a little feedback from some of our listeners and give yeah. a little some updates as to what we've got going on uh here in that too distant future where you can come up shake hands with us meet and greet oh, with yeah. us yeah it's gonna be fun all right let's do it so brent this uh segment of the show is uh, always a lot of fun because we get to hear about some of the current happenings in the industry and we get to hear from our listeners so uh before we get into a lot of the feedback why don't we uh talk about a little bit of news here man you uh you want to tee up the first one sure one of the things that in my opinion is a major major accomplishment it's, in, it's one of the great success stories of the hobby right now absolutely yeah. in, in the in this industry yeah is right from spooky pinball yeah Oh yeah, uh, Charlie has an- props. <laughs> Charlie has announced they've sold out America's Most Haunted. Congratulations, Charlie, Ben, and all the folks over there at Spooky. I know, of course, KT and Bug and Squirrel and all the minions that remain nameless yet work in the background <laughs> during Charlie's podcast. They're so um, yellow. And, and oh, and a special thanks to the 3D printer because every once in a while we hear it beep because it's churning out parts for American America's Most Haunted. Yeah, I think that's so cool. It man, that is an unbelievable accomplishment and i cannot say enough about you know charlie and his folks and what what they've done when you sit back and realize that they from the ground up started a pinball company started shipping games building games in-house and have completely sold out their run uh, and they didn't do any pre-order they didn't take any of that pre-order money. We did it all on their own dime, and it's working out for them. And the product is unbelievable. That is that is that is an accomplishment to be lauded. That it is. I if if I had the uh, if I had the spare cash for that, I would uh, I would be buying one of those in a heartbeat. I guess I would have had to have already bought one. But yeah. oh. it, it it would have been an instant purchase for me had uh, you know had had the financials worked out. And on top of all that. As if, as if it's not difficult enough to do all that, 
He's shipping games to Australia. Yeah, He's got a sweet? container going to Australia. So maybe Rod and the guys at the Pinheads podcast, maybe they're getting a spooky and we just don't know it yet. I well, mean, that would, you know, be, that that would, would be, be a surprise. Awesome. Yeah. I, I know Rod, he's picked up a new one from Stern. He's he's a wrestle, wrestling fan, so yeah, yeah. maybe there's going to be a ghost yeah. next to the wrestler. We don't know. Man, you want to talk about a great sounding podcast? Is their podcast is just not awesome? Wait, 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 wait. Hold from on. a production standpoint. Uh, we, we can pay them some attention and some <laughs> compliments here in a bit we're talking Fair about enough. charlie okay sorry i yeah. you know it's just the whole you know it's you the just whole. you just there was there was thunder and yeah. you just took it exactly sorry sorry you know, about that dude charlie I'll, I'll speak for whitney here because he's not doing a good job of it <laughs> congratulations yeah, congratulations that guys. is an unbelievable accomplishment yeah, and it is. I had nothing to do with it, and I'm proud for you yeah, all. Yeah, I can't imagine how, how you all feel. Yeah. So Charlie did mention in episode 62 that, that Ben, Mr. Ben Heck, had been back in the shop, and he's working on the next game. Yeah, so, uh, you know, no other information about that. And, yeah, just, see, uh, just seen some which hints is, Which is fine. It. A few hints here and there. but Dropped on Facebook. You'll see little stuff every now oh, and then. Oh, is there? Yeah. You just, know, it's, just little stuff every I'm going to have to look closer at their Facebook yeah. page. I yeah. have failed as a podcast host. <laughs> no, they. I mean, they maintain a, a pretty active presence on Facebook. So yeah. You, yeah. You'll, see, you'll see just little bits and pieces from time to time. So I, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that because... I know that this took a lot of effort, and it's one of those things where I'm sure that at the end of it, you're like, oh, I'm never doing that again. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm never. Why would I hit myself in the face with a hammer again? <laughs> but you know, it's 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 good it's, when guys, you can make a living. I'm sure it's like everything love. else; it's easier the second time around. Yeah, so, but I'm, yeah, I'm sure no. In all seriousness, congratulations, and I'm glad to hear that you all have already got something set out you know kind of a path to go for game number two so. yeah it's neat well Brent, i'll tell you since uh, oh since, and the pitheads pot pinball podcast oh, is it sounds, awesome it, it does it's, <laughs> it's awesome it sounds great I, the production rod, quality on it's amazing rod so. gas tv awesome yeah yeah you guys are great um so during the time uh brent since we've recorded last and went to louisville arcade expo and up to cincinnati and things like that stern has pulled uh the curtains back on on releasing two different titles and they're they're so completely far apart from each other you know uh i would say uh, license wise and everything it's it's interesting to see it uh to see these two titles be released but the first one of course is the one that's i guess kind of lighting up you know the interwebs at this point in time is kiss pinball now this is designed by john borg and the artwork is done by kevin o'connor uh it looks like a, a very fun playing game i mean Brent, what what have, what have you seen of it thus far you know i've seen some of the pictures like still pictures of the play field uh-huh i've seen just like a demo run of like some of the mechanics just yeah. running in a loop. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, I have not seen just, and this is my, this is personally, I just have not had the opportunity to jump in and follow it. Yeah. Time, time constraints here recently. So yeah, uh, I, I can't really speak a lot to it unfortunately so, well let me ask you what do you think about the theme do you, i mean do you what's your take I mean, on that's, the theme that's do, a home do, run do, for you, them. Think, you think so uh kiss is kiss is amazing at marketing uh-huh. and their fans are amazingly loyal loyal that's and it's, exactly it's a right. good combination for all involved yeah so i mean i i can't see it as as not being a, a winner for start I, I agree with you i'm not me personally i'm not a very big kiss fan okay just from a music perspective i never really latched on to them but that being said 
I certainly don't mind their music, you know, when it comes on and stuff. I, you know, I, I don't switch the channel or anything. It's just that I was never in the Kiss Army, I guess, or anything along those lines. Theme-wise, though, they have executed, I think Stern has executed wonderfully on the theme. I mean, of course, yeah, you've got the big Gene Simmons head and you've got... He's he's kind of, I guess, the de facto front man, yeah, so you're going to do that. You're, you're yeah. going to do that, but the art, the artwork looks looks just fantastic. The playfield you know, layout looks really good. It's got the wireform rails for the returns and everything like that. It looks it looks like a little bit of old school, but then a lot of new school kind of kind of thrown together and kind of uh, you know mixed together there. But the thing that impressed me the most, and in so many ways, Bren, I'm driven by I'm driven by sound and by light, you know, or by by the light show or, or how the two are orchestrated together. When I saw the first gameplay video of it. Uh, Stern, Stern had uh, Stern had recorded that from the factory floor, actually, where they were going through and just showing how some of the, how some of the switches work and things like that, and you know, just show, showing it flipping and all that. But the sound was good, and any misgivings that I had about uh, you know about Kiss as a pinball machine pretty much went away as soon as I started to listen to the game. And so, Brent, you know the the sub that they're using or the woofer that they're using and the music selection. Uh, are both top notch. Well, the and thing they, it, it's and Kiss. It, it's, it's got a scream. It's it's going to scream. And it, and I will say this: not being the biggest Kiss fan, but as soon as it started playing, I was going. I, I was doing this number where I was bobbing my head. A hey, you got to explain it. This is this it, is an this, audio format. Yeah, exactly. Wendy. Yeah. So, so yeah. So so I started kind of rocking my head a little bit, and I was immediately drawn into the game because, like I say, that it had all of the hits that you would expect, and it sounded good. And the LED light show was there to back it up. So. That being said, is it a title that I would buy for my own game room? I don't really think so, but is it going to be fun to play? Oh, yeah, you betcha. It's so going to be fun to you're, play. You're tipping into that age-old argument, theme versus playability. Yeah. You know, yeah. you you got something coming up here in a, uh, in a little bit about, you know, another game that, that didn't do hot you know, hot sales because of theme, but the playability is awesome. Playability you know, is, yeah, so. it's fantastic. Yeah. But anyway, you know, I, overall, I mean, the, the designer, it's, it's, it's a home run, the man. artist, yeah. it, you know, the, the builder, you, you've got all the pieces for a good game. Yep. And then the theme on top of it, there, yeah. there's a lot of, a lot of people that that will appeal oh, to man it's i mean, I mean it is it, it's going to be a home run sales wise and i can totally understand why they chose the theme i'm with you you know I, like you said i'm not a kiss fan mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't seek it for the for the for the theme mm-hmm. but if i played it and i liked it I, the theme isn't a turnoff to me no I'd have, no you know, no the theme's not a, the theme's not a turnoff for me per se but the theme is not an instant sell for me either mm-hmm. But like I say, the music was the music sounded excellent. The LED, the, the light show was was very well orchestrated, and I think that all of that put together would make for a very it's going to make for an ex, an extremely enjoyable pin, you know. So yeah, so, I, I think they got a winner on their hands, no no doubt about it. So what else has Stern got going on? Okay, <laughs> now Brent, we saw this when we were uh, when we when we did the um, the Stern Factory tour before they moved. Okay, when we spent the day with John Trudeau. We got to see uh, Woe Nelly, Big Juicy Melons. Uh, they're at the um, they're at the Stern Factory, and that is uh, now being worked on and released as well. And you know, Brenna, I'll, I'll say this: uh, it's neat to see. Were you on a different tour than I? <laughs> no, no, we we saw, we saw them we saw them right at the very back 
of the factory. It was what we saw were a couple of the crates and a couple of the play fields. Oh, they, 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 oh weren't, okay. they weren't being assembled oh, or anything. Okay, okay. But remember, right. they, they were all stuck back in like this one okay. section. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, so. Um, Woe Nelly Big Juicy Melons, of course, is a is a retro kind of throwback theme. Uh, you know, it has uh, it has the scoring reels in it and everything along those lines. So it's got a lot of modernized throwback, and I'm saying that in air quotes, tech inside the inside the game. But um, but you know, it's neat to see this type of game come to fruition and even make it out the door. You know, I mean, this this game is uh, it sits on it sits on fruit crates. It has beer cans that you can use to level the you know that you can use to level the back of the game you know so on down the line of course you know greg ferreras dennis nordman it's just there's just a lot there's just a lot going on from a uh personality aspect and a theme aspect it's uh it's it's just cool you know yeah. again i don't know that i would buy this for my game room but in the world in today's world in pinball where you can see these themes be commercially viable it's huge they are shipping this game too with uh um, with the crate, so you can mm-hmm. set it on the crate. Or legs. They're shipping it with legs. Yep. They uh, for, for on location play. It, it's yep. an interesting mashup, like you said, of old and new technology. Where you've got like uh, from a from an art perspective or from a, a plastics perspective, it's some of your older style which you would you know generally equate with like your em type game pop that's up exactly, or caps that's exactly right yeah. um even even the way the shooter rod is the mount for the shooter rod it's got physical score reels but yet again it's like a modern it's, computer it's, controlled that's game. right it's, so, all, it's all modernized so the thing that appeals to me is th- this is the best of em and the best of today mashed together and for all the charm that em games have yet they lack a lot of the reliability you know the modern reliability naturally just based upon their age this this to me is the way to get uh, all of all of the charm of an em in a modern and much more reliable game so for me it wins for it wins on that reason alone yeah so i have not had the opportunity to play one Uh, of these neither have i neither have i but uh I will definitely, next show I'm at, I'm definitely going to try to find yeah. one. I'm sure they're going to be there. I'm sure Marco or someone will have one now that they're available. Yeah, yeah. So, so th- like I say, those are two big, big, huge releases from Stern that have happened over the past couple of months. And, you know, I'm glad to see I'm glad to see the pinball machine, you know, kind of, quote, unquote, rolling on. So, that, that's huge. Speaking of rolling, it looks like Color DMD has been on a roll. <sighs> Man alive, Brent. They have been releasing uh, color support for title after title after title just within the past, you know, six weeks or so. We've seen Metallica, Monopoly, Johnny Mnemonic, and so on down the line. Now, do you have any color DMDs? I do not. Okay. Have you thought about getting one? I I don't think I have any games. Oh, well, they do make them for Adams. They do make them for Adams, I was going to say. You That's know, exactly right. Johnny Mnemonic is that game that, that I was kind of alluding to that that kind of wins out on playability but loses out on theme it loses out on theme that's exactly right i like that movie i do too i thought it was neat i thought once well the end i won't get i won't in case you haven't seen it i'm not gonna give any spoilers i think the end kind of got a little weird well i mean the whole thing was kind of weird it's the way it was designed but the premise was weird but it was likable yeah i like the movie yeah i like the movie too i thought thought it was anyway uh, 
that aside, Color DMD. Yeah, so Color DMD, they they have uh, released their new Sigma display, which is uh, a scale a, a much higher resolution and a much higher resolution scaling display. They have released uh, color ROM support, like I say, for the titles that I just mentioned, is and and are continuing to support the titles that they have uh, released previously. But when you look on the threads on Pinside, you will notice that uh, Color DMD is participating in thread discussion on upcoming games quite regularly. And Brent, at some point, it looks like almost all, if not all, of the Sam, the Stern Sam games are going to be supported by Color DMD. So uh, that would mean your CSI yeah, is sitting right behind. I say you. at one point in time they said CSI, which, yeah, exactly. which even shocked me because that's exactly that's just that's a lot of effort. <laughs> To put into <laughs> to, uh, to you know some of the older Sam games. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I wouldn't crazy. complain. Oh no, no, it's it's great. But when you think about it, you know, you're looking at you're just looking at a, you know a significant amount of of older games that are still going to get that color DMD treatment. So that's uh, I think that's great. So yeah, Tron's on the on the table. Iron Man's on the table. I'm sure that uh, you know, like CSI. I'm sure that. You know, other games. Well, I see. I was thinking Monopoly, but that's on the list. But yeah, there's there's a whole there's handfuls of other games that are that are going to qualify there. So, yep, just really really good stuff, man. So Whitney, let's talk a little bit about what our listeners say about us. <laughs> <laughs> only the good stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I pick and prune only the good stuff, Brent. So I, I'll tell you what. I'm going to start. If you, out. if you send us bad feedback, it will be uh, <laughs> immediately. <laughs> <laughs> we, we would no. respond. No, no, no. We, we'd never do that. We'd actually respond to it and, and hope to understand why. But nonetheless, Brent, um, I have been keeping a pretty close tabs on, on the Twitter, on our Twitter feed. And dude, I will say this. Um, it it is greatly greatly appreciated the uh, the level of interaction that people have with us on Twitter. I'm just going to uh, I'm just going to do a couple of shout outs here real fast, and then uh, and then let let you move on here to the Facebook feedback, Brent. But you know we've we've got people that are sending Brent that are sending us pictures. Uh, I'll just use this uh, as one one example. So K Man Sweden, he has sent pictures of just what I consider to be a fantastic private collection over in Sweden. In Sweden. In Sweden. So, I mean, so K-Man Sweden, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for thinking enough of us to send us these pictures. And uh, it's, yeah, I was talking with him a little bit, you know, via direct message on, on, on Twitter. And he was saying that this private collection only opens up a, you know, a couple of times a year. And uh, I mean, just the, the pictures are fantastic. I, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll ask him if it's okay if I post them on Facebook because other people need to see this. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's row after row after row of, of new Stern and A-list titles. I mean, Brent, there's even a big bang bar yeah. There. You know, I mean, it's, Did it's you just notice crazy. the artwork. The the individual that owns this collection is is serious about pinball because yeah. Wh- uh, what's the artwork? The art the playfields. Empty playfields. Nice looking playfields. <laughs> yes, nice looking playfields that are framed and hanging on a wall. Yep. So this is, I mean, th- this is serious. You know, th- I mean, this is serious stuff. So yeah, just really, 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 really neat. So I, I just, I, I love that. I love getting that type of. That, that type of interaction, you know, with our listeners. And, you know, I, I just... We appreciate seeing this. It's just awesome to it, see, it is. you know, the, a collection, you know, just, just <laughs> yeah. to see what, what, how, what people are interested in, what they've put together in their personal collection. Because, you know, some of the games in here, 
uh, you know, I look at and there, there's a game show. You don't see a lot of those stateside you don't see game shows very much. You know, I mean, and that's that's just kind of an interesting title to say. Oh yeah, I re- it, it, it's it's a lot. Of, you know, it's all personal. It, it's not what the other person likes, and it's just kind of interesting when you see some of these titles, like you see a Star Trek or you see a. Um, you know some of your uh, the Big Bang Bar like yeah. Whitney mentioned and then there's a there's a game show and then there's a they're like a Batman Forever and yeah. it, it's all personal taste and it's just really really cool not just to see the games but how people like you know what people like what yeah. combination of titles they like well and and what's important I guess another important facet of this though Brent is that this isn't a collection that we have access to this is a collection in Sweden so I I, I I just can't, you know, I just can't say enough that it's just it's just cool to get this type of interaction from our international listeners. So, yeah, came in Sweden. Mad props to you, man. Thank you so much. And Brent, over the over the past couple of months, I mean, we have reached over 400 followers. Uh, you know, it's it, there's just like I say, just a lot of interaction. I just do this real fast, just because these guys are constantly talking to, constantly talking with me on Twitter. I mean, WebDoc90, DarkCat1, Gak Attack, Supersonic Brewing. You know, our friend of the show, Ed, Harbor Christmas, Commodore, Ten Pence Arcade, No Quarter Podcast, Game Room Junkies, Incredible Games. I mean, you, you know, uh, Ty Laurie, Jeff's Games, you know, World One Film, Booga Monkey. I, the, I mean, Brent, the list just goes on and on and on and on. I've got to get on the Twitter. Yeah, as to... As to people that people that that I'm interacting with on really a daily basis so you know I I mean I can't list everybody I mean I was just going back and just pulling uh, you know just pulling you know bits and pieces of of, of the Twitter uh, you know of the Twitter interaction and it's 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 just great so yeah thank you everybody Twitter is fun it's awesome so yeah yeah yeah, keep it going our Facebook page is really rolling along as well we're coming close to uh, 700 likes which you know for for some things that's uh, 700 likes that doesn't seem like a lot for us that is phenomenal we thank everyone for every one of those likes oh most definitely they have uh you know it started off kind of slow and we started to pick up steam as we've kind of got got out there more a little bit more recognition and people making their way over the page and uh the likes keep rolling in the uh, the attention keeps rolling in and really we really enjoy that like like on the twitter on the twitter side of the house yeah uh the way i said that the twitter (laughs) we're talking about the twitters now get get off my lawn (laughs) yeah (laughs) on the twitter side of the house the we that feedback tells us that our efforts are appreciated that we're on the right track and we enjoy it and and thank you so very much if you check out the facebook page don't just look at what we post then that'll show up kind of in the timeline right there in the center of the page if you look over to the left side of the page there are postings from listeners of the show and there's just as much cool and interesting things going on uh christopher payne for example posted a metallica unboxing and uh, um, a show in arizona called zapcon so there's a bunch of pics over over on like i said the left side of the facebook page uh, from Christopher, uh, Carrie Cheney and Alan McClellan, 
Uh, no, we got that right. Hopefully, I got that no, right no, there, no, Alan. No, you nailed it. You nailed it. Uh, we mentioned Alan earlier uh, yep. for his photos from the uh, CAG DC tournament. Well, some of that stuff, some stuff from Carrie, is over there, left side of the Facebook page. Uh, Adam Godfrey vacationing in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. He was talking uh, about the let's see the Wonderworks. Yeah, he, vi- he visited a Wonderworks. Okay, now is that like a Dave and Buster's it, it, type it, it of a is. situation? Yeah, it, it is. It, it, it equates to that. Okay, yeah. so Adam is vacationing. In Gatlinburg, he's out gaming, he's playing Pac-Man Battle Royale with his daughter, and he takes the time to reach out to us and say the bt podcast is great for mega long car trips <laughs> loving, <laughs> loving it yeah i mean it's it's just that kind of stuff that really puts a smile on her face uh, it's it's just it's just cool beyond words or or as i would say brent is cooler than the other side of the pillow <laughs> <laughs> you well, think about that for a second that's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> oh whitney 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 <laughs> Whitney, where are we going? Uh, well, what, Brent, what's it, coming up? All right, at this point, Brent, we need to talk about uh, us on the road. So, uh, over the next month, Brent, we are going to be visiting the Southern Fried Game Room Expo, and that's going to be June seventeenth through the nineteenth uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. You can find out more about it at southernfriedgameroomexpo.com. Now, uh, Brent, help keep me straight on this to make sure that, that's impossible. That, that, that I don't say too much because I know that uh, our friends Preston and Patrick are working on finalizing the schedule, okay? So I, I know that as of us recording, they haven't released the final schedule yet. Suffice it to say, though, you and I are going to be on a panel presentation, we're going to be moderating a few panel presentations, and we're going to be essentially assisting with, you know, a lot of the uh, essentially just a, a lot of the, the panels that are going on uh, at, at the expo this year. Exactly, Whitney. I think you're right on track there. Uh, I'd check out Southern Fried Game Room Expo dot com for the the final schedule once that gets posted. Uh, many thanks to Preston Patrick to uh joel and dana mm-hmm. and uh shannon and shannon yes th- exactly. for the show that they're putting together and for asking us to participate yeah uh w- we are doing a very very small part uh we have a very small part to play in the large picture of the organization of the yeah. show and yeah. we are thankful for the opportunity to be a part uh, of what they're doing there in atlanta and whitney like whitney said we will be there. Looks like we're going to be uh, on some panels, moderating some panels. Uh, we, of course, will be there on the show floor, yeah. and hopefully staying out of trouble <laughs> yeah it, it, well yeah well I, I don't know about me, but yeah, exactly. Um, I know that we're also Brent, I think we're going to be working with them to do uh, an official cloth meetup as well. so oh, yes. so that's that's one thing I wanted to I did want to mention I talked to. Uh, we talked to Preston and Patrick about that, and I think that is fairly safe to mention at this point in time. So, yeah, so if, if anybody's listening is a CLOV member and is going to be down at SFG, uh, make, make sure to get with us because, uh, like I say, at some point, I think on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, we'll actually be doing like a an official CLOV forum get-together. So it, it, should, it should be pretty sweet. If, if you're planning on coming out to the show, drop us a note. Oh, you yeah, know, definitely. Uh, email us, uh, Brent at Broken Token or Whitney at BrokenToken.com. Hit the Facebook page. Send us a tweet. Just say, hey, look, we're coming. I'm going to be there. Uh, look for us. We're, we'll be pretty easy to find. Come <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that won't be hard. Come up, say hi, shake hands. Uh, we'd be 
we'd love to meet you. Yeah, uh, we would love to meet everybody. We, we so. may have a few shirts with us. Oh yeah, 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 yeah so. exactly. Yeah, buy a BT shirt while you're down there. That'd be great. <laughs> so, uh, so with that, Brent, uh, I think it's probably a good time for us to go ahead and uh, take our exit cue here. So let's let's talk about where all the show can be found. Of course, you can find us on the wonderful Throwback Network yes, at. And- www.throwbacknetwork.net. Yeah, thank you, Rob O'Hara, for that. Uh, we are also uh, available on iTunes and uh, Stitcher Radio and Xbox Music as well. We would really appreciate uh, really appreciate any reviews uh, on the iTunes Store. So if you're listening and feel like you want to uh, you know help the show out a little bit, uh, just please consider giving us a review. It definitely helps us in visibility on search results and and things along those lines. And of course, you can find us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash broken token. Check out, you know, what we post in the feed. We're pretty active on the Facebook side. So you've got not only links to the shows and, and things that kind of go on relating to what we talk about, but as interesting things come up in the hobby, it'll go on Facebook. As I mentioned, that left side of Facebook, that's where folks that listen to the show, if you post something, it'll appear over there. Yeah. Twitter at Broken Token and www.brokentoken.com. Yeah, and, and real quick before we go, uh, one thing I'll, I'll also add here at the very end is um, make sure to check out our, our YouTube channel because we've done uh, a fair amount of work on revamping the you know the overall appearance of the YouTube channel. So if you just go to youtube.com slash Broken Token Podcast, that will take you right there. You'll see our YouTube channel. And Brent, I'm not I'm not saying like we've got like mountains of content on the YouTube channel at, at this point, but it's uh, going to start happening. But, but I think I think over time we'll start ramping it up. I mean, I don't know that we could ever take on video you know video production on top of podcast production just from a time perspective. But we're getting better at it as we go. So uh, there's so much that we do that has could have a video component oh, to it. There's no doubt. So yeah, I can see that it will grow. Yeah, I can see that it will certainly grow. So yeah, if you don't mind, just go ahead and you know click subscribe, and uh, you know just that way you can be notified as we release new videos and stuff like that. So yeah, the YouTube channel is uh, kind of brand new for us. So yeah, it's pretty sweet. Whitney, with that, I think that episode uh, twenty-seven, forty-two, thirty-nine. Thir- Remember, Brent, you don't look a day over 42. So that means it's episode 30. That means it's episode 30. 30's in the books. <laughs> 30 is in the books. It's been great fun, Brent. And we want to say thank you, everybody, for listening. And game on. Congratulations. You made it to the end of another episode of the Broken Token Podcast. I promise they'll do better next time. Maybe next episode, they'll actually listen to me for a change. Just go easy on the guys. They don't have a lot to work with. But I know their moms would be so proud. We want to hear your feedback, comments, rants, raves, and otherwise, both good and bad. Drop us a line via email at podcast at brokentoken.com. You can also call us at 470-2-CALL-BT. That's 470-222-5528. And leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you, and we might play your message on air in the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broken Token and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Broken Token. Britton and Whitney are always posting content between the official episodes, and it's a great way to stay involved with the show between the shows. You can find our podcast on the iTunes Store and on Stitcher Radio. Just search for Broken Token and subscribe to the show. Like what you hear? Please consider leaving us a review on the iTunes Store and on our Stitcher Radio page, as the reviews help out the show. Please visit our website at brokentoken.com for articles, reviews, restoration logs, direct show downloads, and expanded show notes for this and every episode. Once again, thanks for listening. 
The Broken Token Podcast would like to thank the only person on staff who has actual vocal talent, Miss Christy Litzy. And that's me. <laughs> Music for the Broken Token Podcast, graciously provided by Hacy Dixie. Head over to their website at www.hayseed-dixie.com for videos, tour dates, merchandise, and to purchase music. (laughs) Here we go again. It's like episode one. (laughs) All right, Whitney, did you make it back? Dude, I'm I'm good to go. I, that's not what I was going to start this with. I just want to make sure you are right. <laughs> I'm, I'm solid, man. At brokentoken dot. Oh, that. Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. You, you do need to get on the Twitters, man. Yeah. I don't understand the Twitters. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you. We'll do a lesson after we wrap right. the show.